What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. There's a lot of excitement for this week's show, uh, a lot of excitement for combo movies, combo TV shows in general. Um, we had a massive week when it came to trailers, two big movies coming out next, both of them in May, actually, I believe, uh, Black Widow and, and, and Wonder Woman. Yes. So those are going to be your two big summer movies for superheroes, and they're both female, which is pretty cool. And they both dropped their, their, their trailers this week. This was um, the first trailer for both movies. We haven't had a trailer for Wonder Woman. We definitely didn't have a trailer for Black Widow. So we'll talk a lot about that on this show. But this is also an exciting week for a lot of people who watch superhero television shows. Because not only are we gearing up for, uh, uh, you know, this is this week we're going to be talking about a major episode with Watchmen in regards to the introduction of Dr. Manhattan. But... Um, crisis is upon us finally i mean we've heard about a crisis coming crisis is around the corner crisis is here uh we're recording this podcast on the first night that crisis is uh is here and it the, the first three episodes of the of the the big five episode crossover begins tonight we're going to be talking about that uh later on in the week once we get all three episodes in and we'll do a review show which should be really fun at some point in the middle of the week but i do want to bring in sham here and just kind of get his feelings on where we are now coming into crisis um this is massive because if you think about where arrow started in season one the idea that you know however many years from now that you will be getting a crossover event something like crisis that would include superman and a batwoman and a black lightning and supergirl like arrow from the beginning started very small scale it wasn't like it was a show that that touched a lot of areas of the dc universe it wasn't until flash came around that we started to see it expand a little bit but it's really incredible to see what uh or what berlanti has really created that is now officially here with crisis and uh, there's a lot of excitement around it like i i wasn't sure how exciting excited people would be because i think kind of i think there are people who kind of side eye cw dc stuff but every time i'm online there's a lot of people who are looking forward to this event to see what's going to happen yeah there's a lot of hype for it i'm extremely hyped for it and it's not only the people that watch these shows now mm-hmm. you're bringing in older people yeah people that watch smallville you know like i had to tell a friend of mine that was a huge smallville fan and they said oh well now i gotta watch it now they're like just that's it i have to watch it <laughs> you know if if uh you know tom welling's gonna be in it that's it it's over i'm watching it you know so it's you're bringing in all these other people that may not have watched the CW since it was WB, yeah. <laughs> you know, to be completely crazy. honest. So this is like a very, very big event. Um, you know, uh, it's, you know, another testament to what Berlanti has been able to create on the CW. Um, and it brings in ratings, you know, so uh, he does a good job with that. And I think there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of expectations. Um uh, I am hoping that this is uh, better than Elseworlds. I liked Elseworlds a lot. Um, I'd say my favorite of the crossovers they've had is probably Crisis on Earth X. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that was the best one. Personally, I love Crisis on Earth X. So they, And they, the promotion surrounding that, I thought everything surrounding that was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so if this is as good or better, then I think this is going to be a massive success. Yeah, Elseworlds kind of unfortunately just felt like a back way to just to get Black Batwoman involved. I didn't feel like the story behind Elseworlds was all that interesting. Um, partly because it was kind of just a setup for Crisis, really. Like, I, like I don't think yeah. at the end of the day, like that's really what it was doing, just introducing right. the monitor. Yeah, for the most, getting yeah this, basically for the most part. Getting, starting that 
that that uh us that ball rolling yeah um to to this bigger event so that's why I think Elsewhere's kind of fell flat a little bit though it was cool to be in Gotham City and see uh Batwoman um one of the heroes that we'll be seeing this is a Supergirl episode tonight so uh, obviously we will see everybody but um this is Supergirl's night on CW and I do want to give a massive 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 shout out to Melissa Benos. She had put out a, a Instagram video. It was either earlier in the week or you know late last week. Um, it was a very powerful video. I didn't get to see much of it, but I've heard a lot of reviews and a lot of the commentary around it and her reveal, revelation that she is a uh, survivor of domestic violence. Um, and I just, I just, you know, as I said, we talked about Scarlett Johansson last week. Melissa Benos is another legend to me. Like, like when you think about the Hall of Famer, yeah. When you think about you know what we cover and, and the culture that we're we're doing, I mean, this Benos and being Supergirl on television, she's in her what fourth or fifth season. Um, her voice is powerful, and I think uh, the fact that that story that she put out was so it was so brave for her to do it, and just how many tentacles it kind of reached in terms of people reaching out to her and people talking about how much of her story had an impact on them. Uh, she just deserves a massive shout out because she does a great job. She's been doing a great job for years, and to, to not, you know, you see these people on TV and you don't know what they've gone through, you know. And I think a lot of times when we see Hollywood people, we kind of think their lives are all perfect. So mm-hmm. to hear her talk about that in such a, a authentic, raw way, I know, Shamar, you saw the video, um, so you, you can speak to it even more than I did. But to me, just seeing the quotes and the stories that came out of it, uh, I was I was touched, and I got to give her a massive shout-out. Yeah, it was very, very personal. Um, but in a good way, in that she was trying to bring awareness to this thing that affects so many people. And, um, you know, it's, it's very sad. And, it, and it, yeah, like you were saying, it's very powerful to hear someone who portrays such a strong exactly. character on television to say, no, this is what I dealt with. And this is something that really happens to people. And this is what you I know. became post. Right. That like you would think like someone like that. Oh, you're, you know, whatever. Like the idea that she had this, t- you know, terrible experience and that she still was able to eventually become Supergirl and portray yeah. this this such a, a symbol of strength. Yeah. Speaks to her personal strength, but just the strength of all women who are able to survive domestic violence and able to yeah. um, uh, move forward and be an advocate for change. And for Melissa, it was it was great that she did that. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, hopefully maybe this will reach out to some people that either don't pay as much attention to that kind of thing or aren't as uh, sympathetic to those kinds of issues. Like, no, this affects everybody, you know, big, where you make a whole lot of money mm-hmm. and you're famous, or yeah. if you're small and you're not, you don't make a lot of money. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, this affects everybody. Absolutely. Join us on the show. It's Kendall this week. Kendall, uh, I know you're also excited for Crisis, and you're uh, excited about, about some other stuff you've been hearing uh, on the interwebs as he does this dance i don't know what he's doing <laughs> yeah man i don't know what you're doing you doing the wool whatever they call that the, the wall the wall hey <laughs> we gotta get live on camera yeah we gotta yeah we gotta be on camera for people yeah. to appreciate yeah, appreciate, appreciate kendall's uh yeah, man. Quote, unquote, appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man have you be here in the studio uh should be a great show but yeah you know i i'm upset because i couldn't find the actual tweet but i had read a tweet earlier in the week um don't remember the source but this is you know a hollywood guy who said that he had a source within the academy uh, who, um, you know, was privy to the, their, their discussions or whatever. He had two sources that saw the Joker, said that it would be criminal if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win Best Actor. And I also saw uh, some Vegas odds had Joaquin Phoenix uh, as a uh, favorite to win it. 
you know, Adam Driver is also in that conversation. He's a marriage story, and, you know, I've seen Christian Bale with Ford Ferrari, so a couple other performances, but uh, right now, if you, uh, if you, uh, you know, handicap the race for best actor, Joaquin Phoenix is out in front. And it's, it's funny, because I had a conversation at work about Joaquin's chances, and someone brought up, you know, you know, will the Academy really, will they penalize Joaquin for playing a character that they already gave an Oscar to? With Heath Ledger's portrayal, I think it helps him more than it hurts him. I kind of said the same thing. I thought it almost helped him because people realize what it takes to make that role work. It legitimized the character. Yeah, and the character is legitimized. So, um, so yeah, I kind of agree with you. And and also, my biggest thing, the reason why I didn't think it would hurt him was because I feel like it's such a different portrayal. I mean, the Heath Ledger Joker is entirely different person than than Arthur Arthur Fleck. Fleck, Yeah. Heath Ledger is, you know, in in theory, Arthur Fleck, you know, 10 years, 15 years past wherever he is in this Joker movie. You know, this is Arthur Fleck as Arthur Fleck. He's not even the Joker until um, midpoint, yeah. maybe, maybe third quarters in, maybe. Like, you know, it's it's, it's pretty deep into the movie. So, uh, different character, but it's no surprise to me that uh, Phoenix is right near the top of contenders for an Oscar. He's going to get nominated. Um, that's yeah, well, yeah, that's, what, that's yeah. more or less. What we're yeah, now it's now it's a matter of just you know, can he win it? I think it's, he has a good chance. It's it's more likely that he wins, and obviously the Joker wins Best Picture. But for sure, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Joker can pull that one off too. It's gonna be much harder because the movie is a little bit more controversial than yeah. the performance. I would be surprised if, but I don't know. And the Rotten Tomatoes for that movie isn't that great. No, I, I said that yeah. before because yeah. there are a lot of people. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole yeah, litigation again, litigate, but yeah. but you know there are people I think with who are using their feelings about what the movie means to the politics, cast the movie, yeah right. to cast negative lights on the movie without really judging the movie. I don't know how you could look at that movie and say that movie is bad. I don't get that to me, but <laughs> um, but everything's subjective, so I'm not gonna kill them. But it is what it is. So. Look, the Oscars are not that far away. Did they get, we didn't get the nominations yet. No, nope. should that. be coming so, soon. Yeah, so we should, so we should be getting that soon. And I'll Maybe be, we'll, uh, be, we'll be talking about it <laughs> for sure. And it'll yeah. be uh, <laughs> interesting to see if if we get any any Marvel Avengers love. Also, uh, right. possibly you know that'll be something to look at as well. But let's yeah. start this show talking about not what we we've seen and already. Dark Phoenix love as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Razzies will be the Razzies are the one week after the Oscars. You, you, get, you can uh, catch Turner. You catch the Dark Phoenix <laughs> content. Not. Uh, and the Razzies the following week. Um, nah, but uh, let's talk about these trailers, man. Let's start with Wonder Woman. So, Warner Brothers, uh, this is brand new. We're doing this show on Sunday. They released the, the, the trail on Sunday. We told you guys there would be a trailer release for Wonder Woman. Um, you heard it here first. You definitely didn't hear first. <laughs> I hope you. I mean, if you did, I, great. You did, I, then great. Yeah, if you didn't, then, <laughs> I, mean, you did. I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just keep watching us then. Don't listen to anybody else. We give you all your best news. But, nah, we, we this Wonder Woman came, trailer came out this week. Um, it was good. It was good. It, it was good. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't groundbreaking to me. I'll be honest. You know, I watched it with Sham, and we were watching the actual stream of the Twitter event. Right, right, right. And first of all, I mean, as I told Sham, man, it's crazy to me. We give we give this guy a lot of crap. I'm not gonna make this about him because we talk about him all the time. But major props has to go to Zack Snyder. Cause I'm really? watching Gal Gadot. 
walk on stage like she's a rock star. They love her, man. And, That's all, yeah, and, and I'm watching, crazy. and I'm watching the crowd reaction, and and it looked like something. You from would a, think it was Robert Downey Jr. It looked like something from a rock concert. Yeah. It looked like I was watching Kiss. It looked like I was watching. Whatever big superstar rock star having a major concert that's sold out and everybody's going crazy, that's what it looked like with Gal Gadot. Not even in America. We're talking about in Brazil, right? Which I know she is a foreign actress, but she's not Brazilian. You know, she's right. from Israel. Like in a foreign country, an American movie act, American movie characters, um, that actor comes out and they get that kind of reaction. Everybody destroyed Zack Snyder for how casting Gal Gadot. Everybody thought that was a terrible idea. He deserves massive credit because he saw something that none of us saw um, with that casting. So that was the first thing I, I noticed. But I'll admit, to me, Sham, getting watching that event, I thought they were very interesting tidbits from both Gal and uh, Patty Jenkins. So we'll talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, it does get you kind of riled up for this trailer. And I think had I not watched the event, I might have liked the trailer more. But the, the hype around the event kind of soured the trailer a little bit for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I think letdown. I was, Yeah, it was, a, it was a slight letdown. It wasn't in a, okay. Well, what was wrong with it? There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with it. It was pre, it was pretty solidly cut. I think maybe I would like a little more uh, action in terms of shots that would have been a little more impressive. Um, but I think they're saving a lot to me. This to me looks like a very action packed movie. So I don't think they want to give away a lot. I think even the scenes they did show, they weren't showing like the craziest stuff in those scenes. Like we yeah. see the thing of her about to hit the hit the bullet with her thing, which is nuts. But you don't know what the result is. Like, you don't actually see her do it. So I think they're saving a lot of stuff. Um, but it was it was a good trailer. Uh, I, I, I think that, to me, it was, it was very great to see her and Steve Trevor again. Like, that 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 chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot is, is uh, undeniable. They're, they're, they're really solid together. Um, that was one of the stronger parts of the trailer. I, I, I was really excited to see Maxwell Lord uh, this trailer didn't necessarily make me fall in love with Pascal's portrayal of him yet, but it's one trail. I'm not going to go crazy about it. I did like the early on stuff I saw from uh, uh, Wig. I thought that her lines when she was Brittany, not Cheetah yet, which is the whole trailer, were really good. I think that I, I kind of got exactly the kind of character she's supposed to be, and I see why Patty casted her so far. So that's my take on the trailer. I want to know what you guys got to say. I'll start with Shan. You start, we'll start with Shan. I thought it was a very good trailer. Um, it was not, you know, fantastic in the way that, uh, you know, in the way that's any, really any Avengers trailer. Right, I would say Civil War. You know, you Civil know, War. Infinity right? War. You know. Yeah, in the way that any of those trailers, you know, was. But I thought it was a very good trailer. It was a good, first, it was a good like, first trailer, teaser, you know, bring, invite, it introduces you to the, the world at that time in the vibe that they're going for. I really like the music in the trailer. I, I feel like I'm going to like the music in the movie as well. Yeah, the score that they were playing during that. I know is coming back for this one. In yeah, the, the score they were playing in that event. If that's the score, that's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. And it sounded like the music in the trailer, too. Yeah, it did. So, uh, ew, that yeah, that, that is going to be something to behold. So, I I like, but I like, liked it. You know, I like what I see from uh, Kristen Wiig. I like... Uh, what I see from Gal Gadot as, you know, I mean, her is like, you just write it in. You know she's going to be great in the movie. Um, we haven't seen much of Pedro Pascal. They're holding back a lot. I feel like this trailer did more to just show you what the world is and I see, show her in the modern era or quote-unquote modern era. <laughs> it, it was very, uh, very uh, nice little, like, you know, play on words when, you know, they start out and they're like, welcome to the future. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, you know, it's yeah. like going back in time, but it's yeah, like so, so that, much farther. Yeah, that was very clever. But I thought Patty in her 
explanation for setting it in 84, it made a lot of sense, where she was like, we wanted to put uh, Diana in a mo- more modern world, but we felt like the 80s is kind of the turn of the modern era, which I agree with. I think, mm-hmm. like, there's a time, like, to me, like, the world was very different before the 80s. Right. Like, yes, it's different from now to the 80s, but, like, fundamentally, there are things that just didn't exist, you wouldn't think about, that just aren't even a factor pre-1980 that started in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought that that was an interesting way to decide if we're not going to put her in 2019, what's a good time to put her in? Put her in when the time changed, like when yeah. that modern era began. I think the 80s is an accurate it's an accurate thing to say that the 80s when that started. Yeah, and I think it's just an interesting time period in general. It is. So I think it's, I think it's just a fun time period to kind of have a sandbox um, to play around with. Um, and I'm interested to see how they're going to do Cheetah. Uh, what's uh, uh, Patty Jenkins had had, um, had alluded to the fact that she is going to go through a transformation yeah. uh, in uh, the panel because we watched the actual panel. Now, what transformation do we think? Because we talked about last week. We did. You know, I was Mister. She's not going to look like a cat. So you know, yeah, we, she'll have a co- cat-like costume. She so, said and, they were going and, to need CG the, touches. Yeah, and and prosthetics and prosthetics. So. That's funny because, and I tweeted this, um, like, you know, people were going nuts when that mug came out with yeah, Kristen Wiig in that cheetah jacket. Yeah. People were losing their mind. And I immediately went on Twitter and said, people are going to lose their minds now, but Kristen Wiig's not going to be cheetah for a whole movie. That's yeah, unrealistic. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. No one of her caliber uh, who, who, who has her pedigree. Albeit she does like to play in like you know someone pointing out well she has been in movies that had a lot of makeup artists and a lot of prosthetics because she's a very physical act physical comedian that's true but she's not gonna do that for the entire movie that right. like that no one's signing up for that some very non-established actresses won't sign up for that cause that's just a hard thing to pull off uh, where nobody sees what you really look like so wig wasn't gonna do that but I, I said there's gonna be some kind of transformation there's no way you're gonna put cheetah in and not give us. I want to she, see it, and I want to see the transformation. You know, I don't not want to see the transformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she started out like Cheetah, it'd be kind of goofy. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be. It would run, uh, you'd run have, opposite of the way they've set up. And then you movie. you just end up having to answer a lot of questions. Why she's like this? How did this happen? And then you're doing. You can some, get like, away with it sometimes. Some if the movie or the villain. Ex, you do some lame exposition, or you gotta do some yeah. flashback scene. The villain's really just good. Tell that or something or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, no one wants to see the that. The villain's really good. You can get away with it a lot of times, but. That just puts a lot of pressure on the performance. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a very... I thought this was a very good trailer. Um, you were impressed by it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm not... You know, I, I wasn't, like, the biggest fan of... I, I thought it was a very good movie, but I wasn't, like, you know, this is a, a Mount Rushmore movie, the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was a very good movie, but wasn't, like, you know, like I said, the, the best movie of the summer that year, for example. But, regardless... Um, I thought this trailer was really impressive. I thought uh, it was very fun. You know, I didn't feel like I was bored. You know, I thought... I, I agree that they, they held back a little bit, but that's not an issue for me. It's the first trailer. You know, I, you know, this isn't the last trailer. I expect to get a little bit more in the next one. But also, we can't forget, you know, trailers are just trailers. You know, they're not... I can't expect to get the entire movie. You know, I would like to know what the movie's about on some level, but um, it's the first one. Uh, we got Steve Trevor, 
now we know Steve Trevor it seems is Steve Trevor. Yeah, it's the same. So it's not like you know a grandson situation. It's not an ancestor situation. (laughs) That's what I assumed. I was like, that's gonna be kind of goofy. You know, like me and Shwari were talking. Yeah, Shwari was like, you know, I was like, yo, he's gonna need some kind of beard, yeah, some a wig, kind of, some kind of crazy glasses. They're gonna yeah. have to do something to make him look different. Yeah, that's his grandson. Pie. Yeah, he can't, that's just too, it's too corny to have him be the exact same person, but that same actor, so but look exactly the same as my grandfather. Like, uh, so they're doing it where he's he's more of a Steve Rogers, you know, <laughs> frozen in time. So that's a question I wanted to give you guys because they kind of played that bit a little bit with the last movie with Diana being in. America, no, well, in London, right. uh, you know, is that, do you feel like that's going to the well again, where it's like, oh, let's take another fish out of water, and that's going to be the center of our humor? I I did kind of pause, and I was like, okay, it's it's great. They have great chemistry. Chris Pine's awesome at the role. It, it was funny in the trailer. It's probably going to work, but I, part, part of me seeing the trailer outside of Kristen Wiig's awkwardness, the trailer seemed to lean on that aspect of it. In terms of their humor, and I was like, okay, they do it well, but I kind of part of me kind of wanted to see them maybe try something different in terms of like where they're going to get the basis of their humor. It seems like a lot of it will stem from, hey, this is a guy from the '40s who's in the '80s, yeah. and the last movie the was 20s, hey, yeah, like '20s, 30s, yeah, yeah, right, because it was it was it was uh, World, War I, World, War I. World War One, and the last movie was like, hey, here's you know a woman who's not from this world in this new world, like and doesn't like no basic things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I, also, I look, I think. It's good that Pine's back because I think, like you said, him and you know Godot, him and Gal Gadot have good chemistry. Um, I, I the question for me is that I what is Kristen Wiig's character like? Who is she? Like, what is her backstory? And we'll find that out. But like, because mm-hmm. you know, I and the stream that I was watching wasn't great, but I don't know if they even explained who she is. Like, they didn't. Yeah, she didn't it, it, I didn't hear that it, part. It, it, it seemed. It seemed like she was interviewing Diana, almost like a psychiatrist. Mm, but I don't know if that's what she is. But it may not, and it may not a psychiatrist per se, almost like a counselor or something. Like, like to me, like that's that she's that, trying to help her. In some yeah, way. that's the that's the vibe I got. Interesting, because like, because I'm I'm not I'm still not sure. Like, how are we gonna? I assume the like Maxwell Lord is gonna be like the mastermind. And I actually think that he could actually end up being a really good character. I, you know, I actually liked what I saw from Pedro Pascal in this early trailer. Uh, I liked the way he looks. Um, you know, Maxwell Lord is the perfect guy to do if you want to do, like, you know, the, the villains in this movie being, you know, like, very corporate. You know, and you wanna, you wanna, if you want to make the villains a, you know, corporate, you know, white-collar, you know, suit-and-tie villains, Maxwell Lord is trying to do Lex Luthor, but you can't, and nobody wants to see that. <laughs> he's a Superman villain. Maxwell Lord is the person that makes the most sense. So, um, I'm excited to see uh, Pascal's, uh, you know, performance with Maxwell Lord. And um, but Wig, I, I just have to see a little bit more because I have to, you know, whatever character she's playing now, like I don't really care about. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, she's gonna be yeah. cheetah. Yeah, I mean, so, so Barbara is a is a archaeologist. So right, right. right. I don't know if perhaps uh, we know she has the watch. It looks like the watch is in her office, so maybe um, somehow she gives her the watch, and somehow she Trevor comes back because of some magic, and maybe that same magic ends up starting to convert Barbara into Cheetah. That's that's the, the way I could gather it. Um, 
because the the where where they where they were talking before it seemed like it was the same place wherever she was that watch was. So, um, yeah, I, I think to me that was probably in terms of where I was disappointed. I probably was it probably was centered around the lack of any kind of explanation to anything. Yeah, they kind of just uh, this was more of just like let's give you the vibe of the film, which is fine. It's not bad. It doesn't mean it's a bad trailer. I think it kind of unless to me those trailers though, like to hit a home run for that kind of trailer, it's just got to be super funny. Like Guardians, like Guardians. I don't think you learned much in the first trailer. That first trailer is legendary. It's one of the it's one of the best superhero first trailers we've had. Um, but I don't think it was like oh you learned so much, but you wanted to learn so much more. I would argue in a sequel that that wouldn't necessarily be the way I would approach it. I would approach it more as, okay, you know who these characters are. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing for you that want to be interested in following this character through this new journey. They kind of assume that, like, you're going to see this movie anyway. So this is what we're, this is where you're gonna see, and, and they, and they have the right wrong. to they have the right yeah. to do that. Yeah, for me, I, I mean, I'm gonna see it. Yeah, and a lot of people are. Yeah, you know, like for example, uh, you know, a Venom sequel. If they try to show a bunch of Venom doing stuff, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but is the story gonna be any good? You know, like Wonder Woman. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that, like, all right, this should make sense to be coherent. Yeah. It should work. I said I Wonder Woman was out in May. By the way, it's in June. Black Widow's in May, but this one's in June. Okay, yeah, they're both summer movies. So yeah. both around the same time. Um, I am looking forward to seeing more Cheetah. Um, I don't know. I, I want. I hope we get something in the next trailer, but I don't know that we will. And for the first movie, we didn't get any um, any Aries. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't think we should. Really, Cheetah. I don't think we, I should think we will Cheetah. be only because we know that she's Cheetah. You know, like at this point, again, that's that's why I say I don't care about whatever character she's playing now. Like I don't care, and like because I know she's gonna be cheetah, and like I'm confident that she's gonna look good. So I don't think this is gonna be a thing where it's like, oh, why, why aren't why aren't you showing? You're trying to hide. You're trying to hide how bad it is. I don't think this is one of those at all. Um, I think this is whereas I think with uh, Justice League and Steppenwolf, I think that may have been the case. But with (laughs) with this, I don't. I suspect I don't think that's it at all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think I think this is just you know um, I think this is just they're trying to hide it. I I guess my only con- difference why I disagree is I feel like I think and Patty kind of mentioned it in the in the in the in the the panel, you know they're gonna try to build up this friendship between Diana and 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 Barbara, which is you know very much uh, right. you know New Fifty Two rebirth kind of relationship. Which is cool. I like it. I read the first ten issues of Wonder Woman in the new reboot verse, and a lot of it was centered around the relationship between, uh, you know, Diana and and, and Cheetah. And if you're gonna build, if that's gonna be such a big part of the movie, I don't think I want to show the turn in a trailer. Like, there's gonna be a heel turn, and like to me, like you see that you kind of see the heel turn happening in this trailer. Right. Like you see her pull up in that like dress, and you're like, okay, she's clearly transformed because before she was wearing glasses and look kind of nerdy before and now she's in like a you know you know you know very much like a party style kind of dress like this is a different person clearly hair is different everything's different the confidence is different and she talks about how like cheetah it's not just Kristen wig uh in terms of physical difference it's like a literally like like how she's portraying the person is going to be a difference in her character um that to me you can kind of show in trailers you don't have to Give away the physical 
um, thing. Because to me, that's the biggest thing. But now, now do I do something? Do I do something that's like maybe cute? Like, oh, maybe show like a paw or something. Maybe show like a like a silhouette. Maybe I do something like that, but I'm not giving away Cheetah. Now, for us, that may not matter. But if we're talking Warner Brothers selling tickets, when we get to, you said the movie comes out in June, when we get to March, April, and you're trying to really, you know, ramp up your Wonder Woman 2 uh, stuff. Warner Brothers is going to show Doomsday, you know, similar to, or just show Cheetah, similar to how they show but, Doomsday. Right. But, like, what are you, how are you going to sell the movie? I think I think I think like, they. If if I was no them, villain, I, well, you know, I, like, I would argue. I, I feel that, yeah. No, I was gonna say I feel like they are absolutely right now setting up a uh, a a campaign. campaign. Thank you. Couldn't find the word. They're setting up a campaign to set up Pedro Pascal's Masked Lord as the main villain, which I think is very smart. I think that you can absolutely do that while having Kristen Wiig and her character for people who maybe aren't familiar with where they're gonna be going with her be a kind of a mystery that intrigues people. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal is a massive, huge actor at this point, and he's playing a larger-than-life character. You see, even in this first trailer, even though I thought they didn't sell me on him quite yet, which is unfortunate because I love Maxwell Lord. But, like, to me, I think that that's something that they could still do. Like, they could still play up Maxwell Lord, play up pa- Pedro Pascal, play up that rivalry... And then and then have the cheetah stuff in the background. And then when you see the movie and you see the turn, it's a lot more of an effect. It's going to affect even, like, the viewer who loves Cheetah and knows Cheetah to be who she is. Still, if you if you kind of trick the viewer the whole time, it's kind of like what we saw with uh, Mysterio. Like, it's still effective even if you know it's going to happen. By not telling us it's going to happen, it, it, it did work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... And- it kind of goes back to what you were saying as well, Kendall. Is um, people are going to see this movie, right? You, know, people, you don't have to like see. people are going to see this movie. Um, uh, I also like that we're going to go back to Themyscira too. I saw some Themyscira yeah, shots. Yeah, that was cool. But I think that's going to add a lot to this movie as well. Um, the the other big trailer we had this week. Um, well, Marvel- before that, do you want to talk about the whatchamacallit? the uh, rumored movie of Themyscira? Uh, yes, yeah, so so there's word getting out that that there may end up being a spinoff. Some people, and this is coming out of Brazil, which yeah, it's coming out. It, they didn't say anything during the panel. From what I heard, no. a lot of, we're making a, a sequel. No, there's some reporting out of Brazil that um, that Warner Bros may be looking into uh, doing a Themyscira centered spinoff from this Wonder Woman movie. I think Patty Jenkins would be involved. In yeah, it. she's producing. She, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. I like I I'm not I, I have to see the movie because we do this stuff but I don't know how many people are gonna see that movie personally unless you put a monster cast involved which is possible but uh, I think it depends on uh, the story honestly I think people I think people will show up it's yeah I, I think that's the question will people show up I think, I think and will that, it I think, be good are two different questions I, I think, think that, I, I need to be specific about when you say I think that, with, I think with how, do this. I think with how big Wonder Woman has gotten and how popular Gal Gadot has become as Wonder Woman. And just how much everybody loves this, the Wonder Woman lore as well. I think people go, oh, Wonder Woman's home planet. If all you the warrior women. Yeah, I'll go see that. If you cast... This a, is the moment to do this kind of movie. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. If you cast a a big-time ascending young actress like, you know, uh, you know, Catherine Langford or Haley Steinfeld type and, you know, do her as, like, the main character of that movie... And she's not Wonder Woman. Maybe she's Donna Troy. I don't know. I was about to say. Let's yeah. let's let's have that conversation real quick. Maybe she's Donna Troy. We just mentioned 
what we saw from Titans last week was weird. It was underwhelming. You know? It was bizarre. Yeah. It was bizarre what they did to Donna Troy. As if they were writing her off the off the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was it was it was bizarre. It did not Boy, make any sense. And it was but. it was weird why they would do that to a character that was <laughs> very popular <laughs> on television. <laughs> now you hear they're doing a Thamascara led show or movie yeah. rather. With Amazon's, yeah. With Amazon's. And to me, you're saying, okay, who besides Diana as an Amazon would I care at all about seeing a movie about? Donna Troy is the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing Donna Troy as her psychic. No. No. Yeah, they're not doing that. It appears. So. so maybe that's where what we saw from Titans makes sense. Right. Because we've seen DC... For whatever reason, certain characters that they have other plans for them on film, they get rid of them yeah, on television. Yeah. And it seems to be off. Like sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. But it's unclear. But it's like anytime there's a really like think of the other bizarre deaths yeah, we had. Deadshot was a bizarre death. Amanda Waller bizarre like deaths that didn't make any sense. They were unceremonious. Came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere, and they were all awful. Yeah. Every single one of them, pretty much. Then subsequently. A movie with those characters Black came Canary. out. Black Canary. Yeah. At a certain point, every time they those characters were then linked to some other movie coming out in the future. Donna Troy fits that same bill. So when I hear you're doing a Thamascara movie, that's the first thing I think about is, well, okay, well who's gonna be in this movie? Who are Amazon that care about besides that's not Wonder Woman besides Wonder Woman's mother? Well, I don't know if I would even want to see a, a part of the movie. To me, <laughs> I'm like. Donna Troy, oh, well, they did just kill her off in a weird fashion in, in Titans. Maybe that's where they're going. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, New movie called Troy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. People watch that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about this Black Widow trailer. So Black Widow came out earlier this week. Um, I was very impressed with this trailer. Uh, obviously, the star in Scarlett Johansson, this movie set after Civil War. Um, I thought that this was a, a very strong trailer. I thought this trailer kind of, it gave me a little bit more of what I was looking for from Wonder Woman, to be honest. I really, if you weren't going to give me any story, which Black Widow really didn't give you much story. To me, you got to hit me over, you got to hit me over the head with a lot of action. Um, cause I think like the notion of like these women being so badass, being able to kick, kick ass the way that these two women can, whether it be uh, Diana Prince or, uh, or, 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 you know, Natasha, like, I think you gotta sell that and drive that home. I mean, one of them had some really good action shots, but I think they kind of were saving a lot. I didn't feel like Black Widow was saving too much in terms of giving us really, really, really heavy hitting, high intensity action. That was really awesome. It was exactly to me what you wanted to see from a Black Widow movie. You want to see car chases. You want to see her jumping off stuff. You want to see her in gunfights in close range. Like yeah. pretty much whatever you thought a Black Widow movie should be is what you got. Now. To me, that's what I wanted to see, so I was very excited about it. Now, if you're not excited about that kind of movie, then maybe you weren't thrilled with it. But I thought it was pretty much perfect for what I could have expected from Black Widow. Um, and, and to me, actually, it was a little more fun than I thought it would be. But I, I was cool with that. I was cool with them having a little fun. That Even though, yes, this is going to be an intense movie. Uh, the, the idea that you know, Natasha kind of walks around with the, if this person doesn't have a family. The idea that she's connecting to people in such a personal way, it was a nice touch. 
and I think they, you know, a lot of people were going crazy about the fat shaming of Red Guardian. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, people were going crazy about that. Oh yeah, they, yeah. There was like a it. there was a lot of people talking about that they were fat shaming Red Guardian. I, I just I don't know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, they, people. People like they want to find something to get upset about sometimes. They're like, oh, first we have Fat Thor, and now we got this guy being <laughs> being shamed. It's like, yo, fam, like people make fun of people who are heavy. Like, I'm not saying that it's right, but it, it happens. The idea that now we're never gonna see it in a movie ever. I don't know what to say. <laughs> right, right. Like, it, and it also to me, there's a difference between like fat shaming. You know what fat shaming looks like to me. Yeah, and, and it's not that. That was Natasha that who was talking crazy. to her father figure, joking about how him, making a joke about himself being in his old suit. Like, it takes context yeah, to me to, like... that's playful. Yeah, that's it, it, there's context behind it that is clear that it was being ignored by the people who were complaining. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not buying that. But, um, but overall, I very much enjoyed this trailer. I feel the same way. I thought it was a lot of action... I thought it had, uh, I thought it was very, um, of course, I mean, it's a Black Widow movie, but I'm glad it was Natasha-centric, even though it has all these other good characters that are going to take a lot of attention away from, uh, you know, from Black Widow. Because that's one thing I was a little bit worried about was, okay, we got Red Guardian, we got this other yeah. Black Widow. I mean, how much of this is right. this going to be kind of, you know, yeah, Taskmaster? Okay. How much am I actually going to care about Black Widow? But she it looks like she's kicking a lot of kicking a lot of butt in this movie. Yeah, you know, so it is really um, I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to this. I uh, low key, this is like one of my most uh, one of the movies I'm most looking forward to. I think this could be a sleeper. This could be a movie a movie that a lot of people are sleeping on. That could be fantastic. Again, I man, agree. Again, man, you heard it here first. You heard it here first and only. No, I'm <laughs> but but no, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I think that this is going to be. I, fe- I felt really good when I saw this trailer. I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. Don't mean, you know, Taskmaster doesn't look the greatest. I'll, I'll See, I'll keep it above. I, look, I, I'm going to fight you on that, EJ. I'm going to fight we're you. Going war, we're going, we're going to war. Well, well, I'm not going to war. Let's scrap. All right. No, just... Pull your shorts up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pulling the shorts up. So, yeah, Taskmaster, you're not the only one. You're probably, I wouldn't say you're in the majority, but you're, you're, you're probably half of the argument is that, look, Taskmaster looks pretty bad. Um... I and that's been one of the main you know negatives of the trailer. Yeah, it's pretty much the only thing I really yeah. besides the fat shaming thing. Honestly, right. ironically, it's one thing I've seen people harp on like, "Yo, man." Yeah, but yeah, but Taskmaster. You know, everybody says, "Yeah, this is a great trailer." Like, yeah, but Taskmaster. And like, my thing is, look, and I'll let you finish, but like, and I, I said I agree. I don't think Taskmaster looks the greatest, but yo, Taskmaster looks weird, dog. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know what he should look like, but I don't know if I want a guy with a skull face. With a hood on, I don't know if that's right. right, right. I don't know if that's gonna work. Right. You know what I'm saying? You just don't think what we got is working. No, and that's fair. Um, what I'll say is, look, we know what Taskmaster looks like in this movie. We've known for a long time because sure. there was concept art. Yeah. And when that concept art came out, the energy was different. The energy was not Taskmaster <laughs> looks terrible. What I expect, we got one shot of Taskmaster in this movie. He didn't look good, but he wears he wasn't wearing his hood. I agree. Without the hood, he looks like a Power Ranger. I'm not gonna deny that. But it looks like Snake Eyes. Yeah, it looks like Snake Eyes. But I will, I will wait until I see the movie or see more shots of him in the next trailers and TV spots, further footage before I completely change my opinion. Which was, I thought he looked pretty good in the concept art. And the concept art is, I imagine, what he's supposed to look like more so in the movie. 
I don't know. I mean, I like how Taskmaster looks. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know, but I like how Taskmaster looks. People, and I see people posting online, this is what he should look like. And I see a lot of people that look like, you know, power, that really look like actual Power Rangers yeah, villains. like uh, the guy from... Look like uh, Skeletor. Yeah, from, Skeletor. They look like Skeletor. <laughs> they look like Casey Jones right, from Teenage right, Mutant right. Ninja Turtles with the hockey mask. Crossbones. Crossbones. They look ridiculous. I'm like, this is what you want Taskmaster to look like? I'm right. glad Kevin Feige is not listening to you. <laughs> now, honestly. The, the argument is that all Marvel villains right now characters more so in general but a lot of villains have they've gone with the more tactical look the more realistic you know militarized honestly you know (laughs) taskmaster is following that you know even though in costume in in, you know in the comics his costume is a little bit more goofy it's not as practical again you say he has a skull (laughs) for a head so that's the question um but i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give taskmaster some time i thought it was cool you know also some people were like it's a weird weird shot of him using a bow a bow and arrow, and I'm like, we only it's half a second. Yeah, it's half a second. So I don't whatever. know why he's using the bow and arrow. Yeah, I, give I, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a chance that he could have been fighting Hulk. It's long range. Not yeah, exactly. stopping. Yeah, what, you know what do you want him to do? Throw a sword. It's long right. range. If he's got a bow and arrow, he's gonna use yeah, it. He's I mean, Taskmaster. He's, yeah, he's taking yeah, a bow and he, arrow. He uses bow and arrow. It's not yeah, like ta- yeah, Taskmaster is a master. He's he's master with weapons. Yeah, right. I mean he can use any kind of weapon. You're like, so, oh, look, Taskmaster can't use a bow and arrow. It's like, yes, he can. Yeah, like, according <laughs> to what? Yeah, the, yeah, the bow and arrow thing did not bother me at all. I don't, I didn't know that was even a thing. Um, that was not the part of it that annoyed me. It was his look, which yeah. I don't want to say it annoyed me. I just was like, I kind of my you're my expectations expect, not what you were expecting. Under, I'm, I'm I'll be honest, my expectations were low, and then they met him. <laughs> I was like, right. I was like, we heard Taskmaster, everybody excited. I was like, all right, how's he gonna look? This is a tough look to pull off. And then they gave us the look, and I was like, eh, "It looks very ghost." Not the greatest, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, but I, I also don't feel like it means like it's not horrendous to where it could ruin the movie. Because sometimes, not at all. sometimes you could have a, mo- a villain that looks that bad, like Piccolo, yeah. like Piccolo, Piccolo and Dragon Ball. Like that time, that yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that ruins the movie. movie. That's the kind of like, thing that ruins the movie. Piccolo, Doom, Fantastic Four. Yes. Yeah, Doom, there's a uh, you know Steppenwolf. Uh, uh, you know the list goes on. Right? Yeah, they're they're the kinds of villains that you can't take them seriously because of how they look, exactly. and therefore the movie is ruined. <laughs> He's not that bad. It's just that this is a guy that has is, is really an iconic character, and I didn't even know Taskmaster was so. It, it's funny because like, that's a fan. The base, outrage. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even know Taskmaster was so iconic. The moment these people are are this offended. Well, once you put him in the Spider-Man game, now he becomes mainstream. Well, the Spider-Man <laughs> game has helped him tremendously. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that, and I think recent. Um, Recent animation, yeah, media is just they've yeah outside of the comic books, he's become a little bit more. It wasn't he in Marvel vs. Capcom also on some level. Yeah, he's yeah, on Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, so you know, like that's true. You know, so he, he has a little bit of a fan, well. yeah, a little yeah. bit of a fan base and it's for been character. It's been growing since uh, again. Yeah, since it's been over the last Ultimate Spider-Man and years stuff. You know, um, and it's cool. He's a great character. Yeah, he's really a very interesting character. Um, yeah, no, like I, I think my question is what do we think is up with Taskmaster? Because, like, we don't know who he is. Is he somebody? Is I'm, he... I'm glad I don't know. You think he's supposed to... I want to be surprised. You're asking me, is he supposed to be someone that is connected? Because, like, imagine... We I watch... hope not. I don't like when they do that. Imagine if we watch this movie and Taskmaster is nobody. Like, he's just... Like, w- like when we watched uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man and Wasp. And we were asked, who's Ghost? It wasn't, like... We didn't know who Ghost was. But, like, we watched the movie and she ends up being... You know, whoever's daughter or whatever. You know, who who, who is it? I forgot. Goliath. 
was he Goliath's daughter? Stepdaughter or, or whatever. Yes. I don't know. Something. Yeah, not even yeah, a stepdaughter. It was no, like, it wasn't a stepdaughter. It was the guy, the friend's daughter. Or yeah. Friend's daughter or something like that. Yeah. Regardless, they were the friend that died. Yeah, yeah. She was her daughter or whatever. But, like, point being, who is Taskmaster? He's got to be someone relevant, you would think. Relevant to the story. Right. Or else they wouldn't have him as a villain. I mean, they could just make him a... Or is he, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think he needs to do that. Because to me, like you, they. I think they just gotta connect his story to whatever's happening in the Marvel yeah, universe. It could be a conspiracy. Because yeah. because look at what they did with Zemo. They didn't make yeah. Zemo anyone connected to Captain important. They just yeah. connected his story to what's happened in the MCU. Fair. And that Fair. made him interesting. To me, that's all you gotta do. You just make his story connected to Natasha in a way that is interesting. He doesn't have to be anybody. He doesn't have to be. Oh, this is yeah, actually this, this person. person's cousin, or, or this person, or, the, or the remember the Iron Man two guy you right. saw that you didn't think about. He's actually t- like you didn't. You don't right. need any of that. Like yeah. a lot of times, those are gimmicks that almost never work. To me. Yeah, it works with Mysterio on some level. That's we one of the like few it. times where it worked really well. But a lot of the times, um, and that uh, and even part that, of that was because it was so shocking. Yeah, and know? even that one wasn't like oh this guy. It still was kind of similar. It was like he is still nobody. It's just all right. He's a guy they, that yeah. we would never introduce. Yeah, they just wrote him. They wrote him in. And then use the story, exposition story from what happened in the Iron Man movies. Right, yeah. Like, I don't think you you need to make this guy someone we've seen or um, pull out an actor that you realize, oh, the guy behind the mask is the guy we saw Yeah, Avengers 1 or something. Like, yeah, I thought that's not necessary. What was interesting with Feige, he said during the Marvel Studios panel, uh, he was talking about Black Widow, you know, at this, you know, Comic-Con experience in uh, mm-hmm. Brazil. But he was talking about how... This movie not only will explain the past of Black Widow, yes. but also uh, introduce, set yeah, set up the future of the MCU. Future of the yes. MCU. So that's and a very interesting wording. Very for interesting wording because like wording. it's Black Widow, and you know. Well, also it's interesting because it yeah. takes place in the Civil War. I know you're a secret invasion. Yeah, yeah. EJ's, is this hinting at secret invasion? EJ is, is very <laughs> secret invasion. Yeah, you've put your money on that for years, or at least a year. I mean, to me, like it just seems like. It's the one that makes sense. It's just the one that makes sense. <laughs> and, and now it doesn't make sense. The only reason why I say is at pause is because they did do some things that kind of make it, they have to go kind of around right way to still get the secret invasion. You know, they made the scrolls, baby faces. How do you make them evil? <laughs> like, there's things they got to kind of, and like, they're not like insurmountable obstacles. There are ways you can work around that. But I, I do think that they do, did do some things that I think maybe were unnecessary in the end. Um, that kind of maybe makes will make that whatever happens if they get the secret invasion maybe not as impactful, but yeah, I mean to me like you're doing a movie that's set in 2014 or whatever secret civil. It's in the only civil thing that makes sense. It's like how could that movie impact your future? The only other thing, which even this doesn't make sense given the movies that we know that are coming in the future, is like unless they're setting up another type of secret organization, a Hydra. Yeah. Uh, Masters of Evil, or it's like maybe Taskmaster is working for them, or maybe Taskmaster becomes one of them, and like, yeah. you know, they're but like, there's no Avengers movie on the slate to even like say they'll that's where the conspiracy's going. Yeah, there's only you know, and movies with very specific films. And another thing that's interesting is the next movie that comes out is Eternals, and that's comp- that's like way over anything that's even grounded on Earth, right? Right, yeah. right, you know. So I don't even know how that's going to connect to if, if it is it's ending at Secret Invasion. I don't know what that has to, anything to do with that. Yeah. Like you said, uh, Eternal spans 7,000 years. Interesting. So <laughs> that should be fun. 7,000 years. So, I mean, first three hour Marvel, maybe at some point they <laughs> have to make it to the present. I don't know how it, that will that might work, but apparently, uh, people that saw the footage 
really liked it. Yeah, apparently Me and Shamari were like 30 seconds away from watching it. Because uh, Collider Frosty was he was live streaming it Frosty on Paris live stream it, but he was live streaming the panel, and then I right when Feige's like, "Here you go, Eternals," stream cuts off. Well, no, first like it, it goes back to the beginning. Yeah, it of the was stream, like a, it was like a loop, and it went to like a Marvel like scissor I'm like, this isn't, I'm sure, like, this isn't the, the Eternals. Yeah, this is like Captain America and Iron Man and stuff. And then yeah, I guess then did. I was like, oh, yo, it's at the beginning of the stream again. Yeah, so it was like he didn't want to get kicked. He out. He realized, yeah, he realized like it, you know, He's like it's not worth getting kicked out. This isn't good for business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was smart not to do that. Shout out to Frosty from Collider. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, but, I mean, you never know. There could be some massive fake out, again, that we're not anticipating that, that ends up showing up to be something different. But when you go into the past to tell a story that's going to be impacting your future. Especially. I'm trying to think of Marvel. And Black Widow. Like, she's so out. She's so off the beaten path of, like, all right, let's say Black Widow, like, Something happens to Black Widow. How does that affect the future of the MCU? Yeah, like that. That means that's this supposed yeah. to affect Doctor Strange. Right, a lot of this movie aspect. is set in Russia. This movie is set in Russia. Right, yeah, you know, like and most of our characters, our heroes are American. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, if you told me Winter Soldier, even that, I would have been like, oh, interesting. But it did with the whole Hydra stuff. Like, it makes mm-hmm. it made sense. This, I, I don't know. You like, I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're going to do it. And the last thing we saw that was majorly impactful for Marvel's future involved Skrulls. Right. It involved Nick Fury creating Sword. We seem to be working with right. Skrulls. But, like, again, we don't know how tenuous that relationship will be. Uh, maybe this is the beginnings of that relationship. You know, there's... It feels like that's where they... Again, it feels like that's where they're going. Um, to me, Secret Invasion just made too much sense. How you market it, how you can, you know, it just how you can lay, how you could have laid tea leaves over the course of all these other movies to make people wonder about certain characters. It seemed to make more sense to go in that group, and uh, that's my only guess. But I I don't know for sure. You know, I I hope they do it because I think that it would be a really awesome, unique story, and it'd be different because it would be somewhat the same because we you know people are kind of complaining like oh how many times we have heroes fighting heroes, and yeah you kind of would be in that same ilk too, but. It's a little different when it comes to, like, you think the guy's an alien or a girl's an alien. Like, that that kind of leads a whole different level of mistrust. Not just, hey, I disagree with your your outlook on the world and we're going to fight about it. So, right. Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I did make note of uh, Feige's very, very strong comments about Black Widow's uh, impact on the Marvel future, which is, again, very interesting considering it's set years and years away from uh, where we are currently. Because remember, not just... We, we talk about Black Widow being set near the Civil War. That's not just four or five years ago. That's like ten years ago because there's a blip. Remember, we have the right. we have the, right. the disappearing of all the people thanks to Thanos. We have, a, you're, you have, all, we have a massive jump. So really, you're talking about a movie from ten years ago, twelve years ago, yeah. making an impact on what's happening currently in the Marvel Universe. That's really interesting and in how that... Could impact our future. That's that's something to definitely look at. The XP uh, panel uh, over in uh, Brazil. There was a, a big panel for Marvel. Um, obviously, besides the stuff they had with Black Widow this week, Kevin Feige had a, had a big panel and revealed several things. There was some Eternals footage that was shown. Um, there was some some stuff in details about some of the Disney Plus shows. So we're going to get into that stuff real quick. We'll run through them as quick as we can here. But 
one of the biggest things I think that came out of the weekend was some of the word and some of the images we got from what we're going to see from WandaVision. So WandaVision, Disney Plus show, and we got our first on-camera look at what Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany will be looking like in this show. And we got that similar 1950s sitcom vibes from the black and white photo that they showed. So if there's any hint or any any outstanding uh you know you know disbelief that maybe they're going in that route they made it clear that that is at least going to be some strong element of the show one of the other aspects i thought that was interesting was feige said that uh this will be our, our really our first true introduction to the scarlet witch so obviously you know they made it very clear like not once that they ever called her witch called her scarlet witch they, they've avoided they've always she's always just been wanda but uh, this will kind of begin that transformation of uh, her, in fact, becoming the Scarlet Witch. So Feige uh, said, quote, have an opportunity to tell more of their story, talking about uh, Vision and Wanda, to see uh, more of what Wanda can do, more of what makes Vision Vision, and most importantly, reveal a name that I'm sure we've, I'm not sure we've said in MCU yet, but we obviously make a big deal of in the show, which is that Wanda is, in fact, the Scarlet Witch. What does that mean that she is the Scarlet Witch? And that's what uh, we play into in this show in ways that are entirely fun, uh, entirely fun, funny, somewhat scary, and will have repercussions for the entire future of Phase 4 of the MCU. So those are lofty words in regards to uh, the future of Wanda Maximoff in the MCU. And this being her true introduction to becoming the Scarlet Witch, which is fascinating because she's been an Avenger. She's been in yeah. the movies now for a while. And this is the first true iteration of the Scarlet Witch. What changes or differences do you expect to see now that this is where they're going to be going with this? And how much do you think it really will impact Phase 4? Because this is a Disney Plus show. He's saying it's going to impact the entire rest of the movies. Um, is she ever going to get the headpiece? Did, did we ever get any kind will. of confirmation? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there was that image from the before that had her in the shadow. Yeah, in the shadow. That had the headpiece. headpiece. Which would be interesting. Um... I know that, I mean, it is cool that if, if she would actually, you know, be, start being called the Scarlet Witch, I think that would be fun. Because um, it, the Scarlet Witch is a weird name. Like, yeah, you call somebody a, a witch, you know, it's, it's a, yeah. a negative connotation. Too. Yeah, I mean, maybe it can be one of those things, because she is kind of, she has had kind of a thing in the in the MCU of her kind of being a scary kind of freak kind right, of thing, right, but right, maybe right, they right. can turn that into more of a positive. So maybe that's, that's something that they can go with. Oh, um, yeah. I, personally, I want to see. Uh, I mean, and I mean, you, I mean, you guys know this, but I'm just waiting for the mutant connection. So that's more so what I'm waiting right, for. I'm waiting for Magneto. Uh, yeah, when is Magneto going to show up? You know, when is uh, when Wolverine? You know, one of it. But like, you know, that's that's really more so what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. When that eventually happens, I don't think that's going to happen in this show. Um, but but uh, from what I hear, I mean, it sounds cool. Who would have thought we would have gotten uh, Magneto in a uh in the MCU before we got Magneto and Gifted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <they shouldn't> <laughs> we got Professor X and Legion, so... Yeah, that's we true. did get Professor X and Legion. It's true. Um, yeah, you know, uh, these images, well, you know, what we've heard, what we expected, you know, the old, you know, I Love Lucy kind of feel. Right, right. Um, the Scarlet Witch name... It does have a negative connotation to it, um, but it seems like she's not going to be in the right place in this movie or in this show. So, like, series. So, uh, she may earn it. 
you know, on some level. But um, what I've heard about this show is that, and I don't remember where I've heard this, but I've heard that it's not going to only take place in the 50s, but it's going to be, like, uh, an evolving period of, like, sitcoms. So, like, there will be, like, a 70s setting, a mm. 90s setting, you know, like, the characters will be evolving. I don't know if that's true or not, but... Um, you know, and that's when we may see their kids, you know, wicking in speed. Like, they may be growing up as, you know, the the series evolves. Mm. But, um, like, that's what, that's, that's something I've heard. And, you know, they're only giving you a taste if that's the truth. If that's, if that's the truth. And what, what Feige showed us is only a taste of what's coming in the show. Yeah. I mean, you guys make a good point about, uh, the Scarlet Witch, uh, that character really kind of having a negative connotation at the moment. That wasn't always the case, but I think over the last 10 to 15 years, some of the comic book stories they've created with the Scarlet Witch, Avengers of Disassembled, House of M, um, they, they kind of, she you know, she's a mentally unstable person, and because of her immense Omega-level powers, though, again, it's weird in the comics right now, like, technically now they're saying, they're saying she's not a mutant, but that's a whole other story. Um, but because she has that kind of immense power level, uh, and that mental instability that, that, that can be triggered by emotional trauma, she goes through a lot of it in the comics, as we've seen now also in the, um, in the, in the movies as well, and they've done a really good job of laying the groundwork for that, between the death of her brother, the death of Vision, uh, this to me, uh, yeah, exactly, Sokovia falling apart the way it did, her being unable to, you know, um, save lives during during the Civil War, so... There's a so they they they've laid the groundwork for this eventual mental breakdown and when we think about superheroes and mental breakdowns really Scarlet Witch is among the top ones you think about in terms of people who uh you know there are bad things that can happen when this person isn't quite all in their right mind and that the seems Hulk to be where they're gonna one. go yeah Hulk is obviously number one but Scarlet Witch and I would argue she can make an even more vast impact because she can she can literally warp, warp yeah, exactly. she literally has warped realities because exactly. of her powers and that seems to be where they're going with this so I, I i dig that um he did say it's gonna be you know fun and funny and i hope that it won't be quite as dark maybe as what we see in the comics um but but i do think that this will be um at the end it will be a very tragic story and i don't i think maybe dr strange be the person maybe helps her get out of it and helps her kind of move forward into this I still contest uh, that. I don't movie. know if we're, I don't think we're supposed to know nightmares though. I think that's uh that's an early leak that probably is. Probably. Yeah, it probably More is. I think it seems like this show they're really they keep it most close to the vest. <laughs> they keep it very close to the vest. Yeah, because so, I think yeah. that there's a lot of questions. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be very wacky. I think it's gonna be unlike anything we've seen from Marvel. It's, it's gonna be really weird. Uh, which I'm cool. I'm, I want to see it. Uh, the other big thing this week was the the word that we were gonna be getting. All of the new announced, newly announced Disney Plus shows finished with production by the end of next year. So that's She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel. That was surprising to a lot of people, including me, because one, we really don't know the kind of work schedule that in the, in the work rate that Disney Plus is going to be kind of shooting for, considering, again, we're expecting these shows to have massive budgets. But what's also interesting is because there these shows that just started this year... You know, some of them won't we won't see for a little while. So, when you tell me that production is gonna be done in 2020, it makes me kind of wonder how far in advance are we gonna be end up seeing these shows? Are these shows gonna be un- coming out next year? Because that's what you would expect. 
that's not necessarily the case for all the shows we're seeing coming out this year. This upcoming year. Because Winter Soldier and Falcon... It's coming out in 2020. It's coming out in 2020? 2020, yeah. Yeah, that's like... What shows are coming out in 2021? Isn't there one that's coming out in 2021? Loki's 2021. Maybe it's Hawkeye. No, Loki's the first one. I think the first one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's Hawkeye. Yeah, I guess technically it didn't makes start. makes sense, because they just casted Steinfeld. Or they haven't even officially casted That We don't even know if that's official yet. But, you know, they, they've started, you know, the pro- the casting process, whereas, like, these shows, we don't have a, a Miss Marvel. Or, you know, we don't have a uh, Moon Knight. We don't have a She-Hulk. So, like, I'm sure they have people that they're looking at, but that's nobody, a, that's, no names have been even speculated. It just seems very ambitious, uh, considering the movies they're doing in those same years, in that same year that they're going to be shooting, that they're also putting... A show together, but it, it speaks to uh, Disney to me going all in on this project. Yeah, they're going all in on Marvel Studios. They're going all in on Disney Plus. You know, all in on Kevin Feige. So it it makes sense that uh, that that's the route they're going. Um, there's not, but then we've also talked about there's not much they're doing in 2020. So like, you know, outside so actually, of Eternal, the only one coming out in 2020 is Falcon Winter Soldier. So uh, everything else, WandaVision is 21. Yeah, WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. That's what I'm saying. I thought or 2021. Yeah, so I was, so that's why I was I was confused because I was like, like and that's how, why I say you know they're not doing that much in twenty in 2020. So like they're gonna have a lot of time to make stuff. Mm-hmm. All we have is Eternals, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Black Widow. Which it's so crazy that now we're in an age where it's like that's all we have. That's all we got. Yeah, but in 2020 they're gonna start production though on. On a lot of other movies, though. Well, that's what I'm saying, but they have a lot of time to do that. I guess so. Because they're not, they're not, no press tour, there's no, like, you know, not finishing production on that many movies. Part of me wonders if maybe they kind of knew that in advance and they were like, let's not load 2020 with a lot of content because we know that 2021, we're we're seeing all the shows and all the movies we're coming out with. We're going to need that time. Right. That, that to me seems seems like the logical step for, for why they would have done this. But it's exciting, man. I mean, the idea that... Because that to me tells me that then you could come up with new shows soon after that that we don't even know about yet. Like, they probably... We talk about that fantasy, you know, big board that, that, that Feige has of characters that we haven't talked about. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about shows that maybe we're talking about, uh, you know, a Wolverine show or a Storm show. Like, you know, like there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of different avenues they can go with that we haven't even thought about that, you know... If they can crack out these shows that quickly, I mean, just to me, the future is so bright for what Marvel could potentially do. And I think we're, we're only scratching the surface of really what kind of content they're going to be producing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's going to be it's going to be a wild ride. I mean, I'm excited for it. Um, but let's uh, let's quickly now uh, wrap up the, the new segment of this show talking about uh, Venom. So word got out this week that uh, it looks like Venom may, in fact, actually have a radar uh, rating this time. So. Um, obviously that was a lot of talk about last time with the first movie is will they, you know, do rated R, will they go PG thirteen? It kinda went back and forth. They eventually uh went PG thirteen and it seemed like that was the right decision because they were able to net a, a massive win at the box office. But after seeing uh Joker go uh over a billion dollars worldwide, is it's rumored now that uh Sony is considering maybe making this next uh Venom sequel a rated R film. And in fact, uh, they spoke to producer Matt Talkman about that. And he said, quote, I mean, 
I think you always have to think about it now that now that that works. Having said that, our movie would work really well. Our franchise is just as it is. And I don't think anybody's looking to just say, hey, hey, they did it. We have a place in the world. So it isn't like suddenly everybody's considering what to do with the rating. I think what Joker does is it tells you that you can succeed for a very long time. That was a narrative. And Deadpool sort of wrestled that to the turf and then Logan. But for a long time, that was considered totally forbidden. So, you know, I think it's the greatest thing in the world um, that R-rated movies are embraced by massive audiences. And it just means that there are more opportunities for that kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So you guys think that, uh, do you think they'll pull the trigger on this? Um, I kind of hope they don't just because of the precedent that they set before with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like if they make it R rated R now, it would either have to be a, there would either have to be a massive tone shift which, I mean, look, I mean, I guess if the story's good enough, they can pull that off. Yeah. Um, or they'd just be adding a whole lot of gore, uh, just for the sake of adding gore, mm-hmm. really, honestly, at this point. Uh, they made it PG-13 Venom, and it worked. So I don't see why they would... It Kind of like what he said in his comments. He's like, we'd just be doing it. Oh, well, they did it, so we're going to do it. And it's like, you don't have to do it. You've shown, I guess, with the box office that you don't have to do it to make money. So, uh, and to get audiences to enjoy your movie... So, you know, uh, I, so right now, no, I kind of hope they don't, do I think they will? N- no. I mean, I, I think that it would be very reactionary, but you know, they've proven me wrong before. So we'll see. Um, this is strange to me. Well, it's not impossible because look, Carnage is the villain or at least is involved. That's true. So if you're going to do Carnage, he's a serial killer. He's a maniac. Um, Way less mustache twirly than, uh, you know, right? Yeah, right. right. You know, Riz Ahmed. Yeah. You know, Riz Ahmed's right. He yeah. was just a stereotypical, <laughs> you know, the yellow jacket. You know, da- Darren Cross, yeah, or whatever. Crazy CEO. Yeah, exactly. You know, CEO gone mad for no reason. Um, and you know that's not what Carnage is going to be. So in that regard, I understand maybe there's some motivation to go rated R, but at the same time. Like I watched, I watched this, I watched this Venom movie like maybe three months ago, and the movie like it it plays better as a unintentional comedy than I think it does just a superhero movie, like yep. or an action movie. Like it's a funny movie, you know. I find it, I find it funny. Uh, it's not trying to be funny a lot of the time. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But like, you know, you find yourself saying, "Wow, that was a fun movie." Like it wasn't like good. But, like, because it was fun, like, it's entertaining. Um, it's kind of like the Fantastic Four movies. Right, exactly. Or you the know. first two. Yeah, I was to say, exactly. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. But I was like, I don't know if the last one was fun on any level. Fun or entertaining. Yeah, I think that's a pass for me. It was just a, a dread. Um, so you do t- you take away a lot of that fun if you make it radar. So that that is concerning because what's left after that is a story that was not good in the first one. So hopefully they can do better, but... Um, it's anything that works in the first one is going to be, uh, I would think affected a little bit. Yeah. I mean, to me, I don't mind if they decide to go with a rated R version. And apparently they were thinking about maybe doing a PG 13 and a rated R version. Um, that might be a little confusing, but I don't, you know, that would be certainly unique. 
I, I would argue, to me, how so what like in the PG thirteen version, like instead of blood, it's just like nothing happens, like when you, the guy bites somebody or whatever. I don't know. I I, I do feel like to me, Kendall mentioned uh, Carnage. I feel like, I mean, he is a character that to me does lend himself to a rated R kind of uh, movie. You know, uh, it's not not it's not necessary per se. But I thought one of the issues that I saw in the last movie was, to me, like kind of differentiating the brutality of someone like Venom and Riot. I thought it was difficult, partially because like they were they had a line that they weren't going to cross because it was PG-13. If you go rated R, well, then now you can make the line more clear. Where like here's what here's the kind of violent things Venom will do, but then here's the stuff that Carnage is capable of doing and is willing to do, and then you can kind of say, okay, well, now I see like the difference uh, and what makes both these people. More one more brutal, one less brutal. Uh, I I don't know. I just I, I feel like this Venom movie. I I mean I I agree with what the guy is saying that you know when we talked about it when the movie was coming out when we talked we talked about Deadpool and Logan and that's that had like I didn't know I didn't think that they had to be so scared of the R rated version. To me, the only reason why they didn't go R was because they want to eventually put him with Tom Holland and they don't know how to juxtapose. This rated R Venom with a PG-13 Spider-Man. I think that that's kind of not that big a deal. I think that they can kind of work that out. And I think people will have an understanding that in a Spider-Man movie, like, you know, we're not going to see Venom, you know, doing rated R things to Spider-Man. You know, like, he's the one, the hero, so he shouldn't lose or anything. Like, I think there's a way you kind of make that work that won't be as big a deal. Um... But now that they're here, I wouldn't mind if they decided to shake it up. Because I thought the last movie was super cartoony. Um, I did not enjoy it. I know the fans liked it way more than I would have expected. Part of me also wonders that, like, like, a lot of people just see that movie. But I feel like there are a lot of people who I just think didn't even care to see it. Like, the people who wouldn't have liked it didn't even go. So now the voices that you hear that like that movie so much, I do kind of feel like it's probably just the people who were excited for that movie wanted to see it. And there were a lot of people who were like that. So I don't want to necessarily just take so much for granted saying, well, everything went right the last time besides the critics. Like maybe they should just continue the, the way they were going. Like we kind of talked about before, they kind of have more attention on themselves after what they did last time. They got to try to drum up more support and 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 put instant more confidence they got to do a better job this time maybe going radar would change it up i don't know they didn't establish anything in that first movie that made me feel like they were they were going in the right direction and they shouldn't rock the boat i think that they absolutely need to rock the boat and make something uh different than what they did because i don't think what they did worked creatively it may have been a commercial success they have a loyal fan base that truly did like that movie but i think if they really want to kind of reach the heights they can and they eventually want to make Tom Hardy's Venom a credible foil to Spider-Man. Tom Holland, we've seen the kind of love that he has. I think they do got to change something up. And if it's going rated R, I say give it a shot. Why not? I mean, uh, Ruben Fleischer, who did uh, also did Zombieland, mm-hmm. which is rated R. Yeah. I mean, he kind of... And it's a very comedic movie, and it works. And Woody Harrelson is in those movies. I know he's... He, I guess he's supposed to play Carnage. So, I mean, he does, he does a good job at it. You know, with working with the rated R movies, there's no kind of limitations to what kind of comedy he can do, what kind of violence he can do, you know, and it's like, eh. I mean, you can kind of tell with Venom that they wanted to do certain things, but they just couldn't because it was PG-13. So, I mean, I don't know. 
I mean, if he does R, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only reason I hesitate is just because Venom's violence is, is very specific, is very particular. Right. When he bites a guy's head off, you're going to watch him bite a guy's head off, you know? And it's going to be like, okay, that was not in the last movie. Whoa. You know, I feel like it is going to raise some eyebrows, you know? Um, so, I mean, I feel like it, I, I would hope that it would be for a story purpose. Like Kenneth was mentioning with Carnage. I understand making a rated R because you want to tell his story properly and not just because you just want to add gore. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, and I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think that you should be gratuitous. But I do think that Carnage, from a storytelling standpoint, right. absolutely making what his actions right. rated R would makes a lot of sense. Because right. otherwise, like, part of me feels like like what makes Carnage kind of a weak villain is that, like, what's the difference between him and Venom, really? There, right. There's a difference, but, like, it takes, like, strong storytelling, yeah, I think, to really make portray, it work. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, for me, like, you know, when they've done him in, like, cartoons and things like that, I think it's been a little harder because... Yeah. Like, he just, he can't do a yeah, lot of things in a cartoon. Man, and it's, he's really not that psycho. Yeah, he's just, like, a little right. more, like, unstable. Goofy, but otherwise, yeah. he's yeah, goofy, yeah, exactly. really. But, like, you can't really go the way you need to go with someone like Carnage in a cartoon. But if you read a comic of Carnage, it's very clear, oh, yeah, this guy is willing to do anything. And it's kind of scary, like, how violent and murderous he is. Right. Yes, I could see, in a storytelling standpoint, making him radar and how, how that could uh, work out. Um... But we have to do our, our show recap for this week, so we're going to talk about what was a, a, a monster episode of of, uh, of Watchmen. I talked about at the top of the show, this is a big weekend for superhero fans with Watchmen and Crisis. Of course, we'll talk about Crisis later in the week. But we're going to talk about Watchmen now. Um, this is the Dr. Manhattan episode, and I thought the way they told the storytelling in this non-linear way, which kind of started primarily you know, 10 years ago, and then jump to the future and how they jump back and forth. Uh, it was great. And I thought that it was a really clever way to truly have a Dr. Manhattan story. Because as the show very eloquently um, laid out, Dr. Manhattan experienced this time different than all other people. And everything that happens is happening, happening is currently happening. So... Anything that's happening in the future is currently happening. Anything that's happening in the past is currently happening. It's a, he's experiencing these events as they're happening at all times. And it kind of allows him to almost time jump in a way. So it made sense for the narrator, or for rather the, the viewer, to be time jumping through his storytelling of him being the first time he talks to Angela. Uh, but this was this was pretty remarkable. Um, I thought that Yaya uh, deserves an unbelievable amount of credit. That is a uh, iconic character, and it's not a character that's easy to pull off. And when he makes that turn from Doctor Manhattan, from Cal to Doctor Manhattan, and, and even him being Doctor Manhattan from the beginning, because he's Doctor Manhattan even in the in the, the whole episode. in the whole episode, he's just you don't see him in his face in the, uh, the blue. in in the uh, when he's in the blue mask and when he's you know at the uh, at the bar. But I I, I thought he was tremendous. Um, but it's one of those episodes that kind of leaves you speechless. I mean, this show. Uh, I saw a child to David Dennis on Twitter. I mean, he said that. I mean, has there ever been a show that had a three episode run like this? I've never watched one that had it. Like usually, there are episodes that you say you got one or two really great episodes. I would say a four episode run, man. Starting with the Looking, Looking Glass. Glass. Yeah, you can make the case. You could absolutely make the case that since the Looking Glass episode, 
it's been straight yeah. bangers every single time. Yeah. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but that's the... Game of Thrones never had a run like this. It's never had a run no. like this. Yeah, Game of yeah. Thrones. I don't think Game of Thrones has had a run like this. They've had... I feel like there probably have been, like, times where they've been two really good episodes in a row. Yeah. Never three and definitely not four. And I think it is a fair case to argue that there's been four straight episodes that are, like... Nine out of ten. That are, like, ten. this is nine one of the best episodes of anything I've ever watched. Like, that's not, like, how, and, like, the fact that they're putting out that kind of content, I guys, I told you guys to me, Regina King has to be, has to be uh, in the running for Emmy for Best Actress. Um, I would argue, Yaya, I mean, you may have to put him now in there for a supporting actor. After, even though the Dr. Manhattan character came late, he was so fantastic. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people. And Looking Glass, uh, uh, the guy who plays yeah, Looking Glass. Blake Nelson. They, I mean, yeah. he's going to be in this you conversation. Know, I, I think Jeremy Irons in a And I think Gene Smart is going to be in the conversation Gene for Smart. Best Supporting Actress. I mean, this is a, this cast is unbelievable. Um, obviously, the show has got to be up for Best Series. It's just, this has been an incredible run. Yeah, this show has been fantastic. I love, love, love the writing in this episode. Because they took that straight from the comics. It's absolutely. You know, like, it's that is Dr. Manhattan. This From the story to how they told the story, where they're just jumping back and forth in time. And it, it's all still kind of centered around that bar conversation, which I thought was very cool. And, oh, man, it is just, uh, yeah, this episode is just fantastic. I mean, it really, really is fantastic. Um, I mean, how, uh, you know, from the moment he walked in, he knew all that was going to happen. From the yeah. moment he walked into that bar, he knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, uh, and the, the, again, the writing is just, it's like, they, it's like, it's like they just read Watchmen over and over and over again. They're like, yeah, this is Dr. Manhattan here would just be like, yeah, it's because I love you. And, and I think like, this what? is, yeah, <laughs> and I think this is like, that's what was so telling to me, too, was I think when we, you know, we kind of had the anticipation of when we're going to see Dr. Manhattan. And once we saw one of the trailers, we figured out, okay, we're going to see him. How much will we get of him? Last episode made it clear, okay, yeah. we're going to get at least probably one full episode of Dr. Manhattan. Right. What's that going to look like? How's he going to be? Will they water it down? I feel like when this show first started, or when they even announced this show, I think the idea was like, yeah, but we're not going to really get Dr. Manhattan. Like, they're going to maybe give us a couple of scenes or maybe water them down a little bit. Like, the idea that they went just full tilt for exactly who yeah. this character was, and not just from his mannerisms, not just from his look, um, but even to him in action. We see him actually in action for a little bit at the end. It's like, they didn't, they didn't shy away at all from that kind of character and that's where you got to give damon lindelof and, and, that, and that crew a, a ton of credit nicole Cass, uh, castle um well she was the director for this episode she's been doing bangers ever since the first one but this was another phenomenal episode this is crazy and we, we learned a lot uh we learned a lot we learned uh about what that thing was in his head the ring that was in his head and, yeah. and realizing that it came from ozymandias uh yeah. it came from Vite, and it, it, it was just, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but uh, we can start there a little bit. So, Vite is the one who makes the, the ring that goes in his head. And we understand now the reason why they did that was because they, they felt like they couldn't move forward with their relationship, Angela and, and, and Cal, with, or, you know, he was before, he, I guess it was, he was still Cal, technically, but he's been had yeah, yeah. at the time, uh, because of his abilities to know everything and see everything that it wasn't going to work so that so Manhattan uh went to 
to Vite for help, and ironically, Vite kind of it was really again like you said brilliant writing because you're like how could he solve this issue when he knows the answers to everything? When did he have the answers himself? So it comes down to their their initial their last interaction really, and how Vite explains that yes, my plan was to destroy you, and uh, what I ended up doing was actually plan B. This was my plan A, and it's through, uh, you know, he used a, a, a material from a, a universe that was outside of his universe, therefore Dr. Manhattan couldn't see what was there, and it was a it was basically a power-dampening chip, and it would allow Dr. Manhattan to forget who he is, forget his abilities, and it would only allow him to use abilities in, you know, in life-threatening situations, life-threatening situations which makes it clear how he, you know, Angela survived the White Knight. The White Knight. Because that's the question. We all knew Dr. Manhattan must have saved him after we learned what happened last week. But yeah. you're like, what happened? How did he do that? He doesn't have any powers, it seems like. Right, right. Now we see that in light of the situation, he has those powers. Um, but, I mean, and then how it's almost like a trade-off. Because then, you know, you know, Cal, you know, slash Manhattan tells him about the utopia he's made yeah. that... Uh, Vite failed to do on Earth. And you see Vite in a kind of a miserable state, kind of seeing how, like, the world can't seem to get out of its own way. They always seem to just want to be at war with each other, and how, you know, his efforts, while it did save the world, quote-unquote, have kind of become a failure because they, they're still at each other's, the world's still at each other's throats anyway. Um, and, and how Manhattan talking about creating that world uh, and sending Vite there is, it was not supposed to be a prison. Right. It was supposed to be, hey, this is the greatest spot for you. Does anyone think that that was, that's the case? Or, or do, well, do yeah, think, that's the. Man, do you think Manhattan tricked him? We we think that. That that's very interesting because we uh we assumed this whole time that Manhattan put him there as punishment. Yeah, it's prison. Yeah. He imprisoned him. You know, but that's not the vibe that we get from this episode. Not at all. Right. Um. We. I think. I don't. I don't think that that was a prison. Because Manhattan is very straightforward, it seems like. I don't, he has no right. To Manhattan doesn't seem to, to yeah. He doesn't seem to be of trickery. Yeah, like that's not know. his vibe. That's not his thing. And I would think at this point, when you know what you call spelling out the the the, the bodies, he's spelling out save me doc or save me doctor or save me man doctor or something. Because he saved me D. The D is probably now leading to Doctor Manhattan. It has to be now, yeah. Because who else would see that? Who else would? Yeah. What he think would know <laughs> that he's even there? <laughs> Some people are like, "Is does say save me Dan for right? Yeah, Night, Night Owl, Owl save or... me daughter, be <laughs> true." We don't know right. who. We don't know who it is, but I would say at this point it's it's Manhattan, um, and I look. I don't know. Like I don't know what that I don't know what happened where how things went so south uh, on that planet, but um, I think he kind of realizes that like like I think he's stuck there because Manhattan is gone. He's Cal, and like he can't get out because exactly. Manhattan right. sent him there. So now yeah. he's trying to find another way. So to get out. really, Vite imprisoned himself. Yeah. He doesn't even know it. Yeah, because like you said, by making him Cal. But now that he's no not way Cal, to communicate with him, he can get him back. And right. so Lady True um, told Vite that Manhattan was on Europa. You noticed that, right? Because he said it's at a, a little elephant. You know, yeah, an, el- an elephant told me. 
you know. But how did so. how did she know that? Well, she uh, knows. Who knows. Well, remember, didn't she say in like the last episode? She's giving that speech. Yeah, it wasn't something about a satellite. Yeah, right? she said something about like some or astral some, send something, something. In space. Yeah, send something, some, in space. send something to space. So maybe she she found out through that that man that Manhattan is on Europa and not on Mars. Maybe she's yeah. the one that's faking that Manhattan's on Mars. For whatever reason, she could be. Yeah, we know she's faking this, the 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 phone booth. Well, to me, now that we know that Manhattan has a relationship with uh, Hooded Justice. Now, to me, I, I'm a, I'm in this office that Lady True knows everything. Because wh- why wouldn't she? Yeah, because right. we know Lady True in Manhattan, or I mean, Lady True and in in Will yeah. are completely working in, in sync league, with each other. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and Manhattan referred to his relationship with Hooded Justice as an alliance. Uh, now that makes me feel like there's no way she's not involved and knows exactly what's going on with this entire thing. Right. Um. It the 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 uh, there's a, there's a lot obviously to to discuss, but um, when it comes to the Manhattan and you know Will aspect of this, you know we we see them have that conversation. You know, we see Manhattan say, "I have to I have to talk to Angela's grandfather." Why? We really don't know because <laughs> right. he kind of just showed up and. Obviously, he ends up spilling the beans to Will through Angela in two times. You know that what should we call it is that Judd Crawford is, is seventh is, is Cyclops, and that he has a KKK robe in his uh, a clan robe in his closet, and that's how Will finds out all this stuff to ultimately then take out Crawford. But one, what sparked Will? What sparks Manhattan to go talk to Will? And right. two, like, what else has Will been doing this whole time? Or is that, has he been, like, if he, if he knows that, like, why does he care? You know, like, what is he, like, I, like what's been his whole plan these last ten years? That's, well, that's the thing. It's his plan. I don't, like, this show is wild. It is so, still so much. Because to me, you get into alternate realities if you really want to get deep into this. Because right. in my theory, I would say there's an alternate reality where he's not doing anything. He just relives the rest of his life and yeah, dies. Yeah, doesn't know Angela, yeah. But, like, you know, this is a reality where he's been intervened. And now, the, I would say, argue the last 10 years is him putting together the evidence to stop Cyclops and somehow getting in line with Lady True and working together to do that. Right. And it comes from that. It comes from that conversation with Manhattan. But at the same time, it goes back to like this whole thing that Manhattan lays out is the chicken and the egg uh, debate. It's it's, it, it's yeah. I'm still kind of wrapped. I, mean, I still can't really don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, we go back to. I've seen a lot of you know. I you even think about the Cyclops? Is the Cyclops on some level? Based on on Manhattan, because Manhattan has the eye on his head, or is a dot on his head. Could that be what their imagery is based off of? The only thing about that well, is Cyclops, Man- thought it Cyclops Manhattan. preceded Manhattan. Because Manhattan showed up. It did. We think, but well, we know because we know we, because remember the, the Will stuff happened. In the, right. Yeah, that happened in the, what the forties or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. What's the name? Nineteen fifty nine was when yeah, Manhattan 50, became. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but. I don't know. I just feel like I'm, I don't know. I just have to ask the question. You know, is that 
No, nah, I mean, causes get perverted to think to, to become whatever they want it to be, just like yeah. they're wearing Rorschach masters. I mean, could right, they, right. Could could they, have they adjusted, adjusted what the that to make, means? Maybe. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. But the only reason why I tend to not think so is because, remember, they really the idea of even involving Manhattan in their plans is new. Yeah, yeah. that's from Keene. You know, before it was only making Keene president. Right, then right. it became we'll make him. Dr. Yeah, it wasn't a Manhattan thing. So I don't. Time. So that's why I would argue that I don't think that that's connected. Right, it could just be imagery. It right. could just be you know, some sort of imagery that they're trying to portray. Um, do we think that? Now this is getting even crazier, but it's plausible. Do we think that Manhattan uh, took out Angela's grand grandmother? Because remember, she we see her die suddenly. We don't know what happened. Some people are speculating maybe Manhattan, you know, took her out in order for these events to occur a certain way. Um, it is odd how she dies. I mean, it's funny. So it's funny because I watched this episode again yesterday, uh, last week's episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and like, you get an early copy. previews? <laughs> no, but I watched this early episode, this episode yesterday, and, um... Now, Angela's grandmother talks about how she had a heart attack. She does, yes. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that Manhattan didn't cause the first one, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, he wasn't involved in what's been happening to her. I don't know. Uh, I would argue no, but also because, I mean, that seems really morbid even for Manhattan. Right. To it's possible. Woman. If, if, uh, if he has the, he has the right motivation, in theory. For him, but it seems like for him, it's not about setting the the setting the events the events in motion. He doesn't want to control these things. It's that it's that he can't control the events that yeah, happen. Exactly. So I don't, I don't see how he would intervene in that way. So I, I also would not agree with that theory. But I don't know what he feels. Shit. Um, and I haven't really seen him like time travel in the not in the sense that. Because, I mean... And in fact, he wouldn't have to time travel. Because at that point, he would have been Manhattan. That's true. That's a good point. He could have just been Manhattan. Yeah, he could have known about Angela. No, that's true. That's a good point. So... That's why it's plausible. I just don't see how... I don't see that... Even the imagery. When you see Angela as a kid looking at her grandmother. In the background, there's the Manhattan thing that says murderer. Yeah. You don't know what's intentional or what's not. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean... And honestly, like, I mean, geez, killing her grandmother, like, and that could be a storyline that we get to it in, a, in season two, for yeah, example. possibly. I mean, I've, I, I mean, to this day, I haven't seen him do anything that gruesome. Right, that's what right, I'm thinking right, too. Right, right. I mean, just, I mean, he's, I mean, he's killed pl- countless people. But I, I've never seen him just kill a little girl's grandmother just because. Well, I, just because it has to happen. I've, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. Right, right. Yeah, right. That's I mean, I mean so, um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, is possible, but he uh, does. He does have. They, they do have an interesting exchange in this episode about doing something, knowing that it's wrong. Yeah, I forgot the exact wording of it. Like what was the word was, and he explained why that happens. So, well, I, mean, I know when so he. So talking when, about I mean, that. I know when he explained, you know, why he was in Vietnam. She's like, "Why would you do that, knowing that you'd regret it?" And he's like. Well, you never done anything you you, you knew in your you were life, regret. Yeah. yeah, that you knew you were gonna regret, right? So, I thought that was interesting. And maybe uh, and you yeah, could argue, you could argue, he could he regret 
setting those actions in motion right that leads to his demise right yeah i would argue yeah i would regret that <laughs> but if he realized he really loved angela because of the no- things he knew that happened in the future then maybe you you don't care yeah it's just like because then you wonder like how far like like i don't know i mean it's just it's just so much that like you know you can go all the way back to like the original story like that he he had to have known that all the stuff was hap- was gonna happen. It was right. all happening yep. at once. I mean, none of it's brought up, you know, obvious for obvious reasons. But like, it's just it's just wild to even conceptualize that you know anything that is happening, you know, in the Watchmen story, you know, the original yep. novel graphic novel was happening at the same time for Manhattan in this show. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Sham, or not correct, but you can answer this question being the, the Watchmen expert on this podcast. Why, why, I know this is going to be a really basic question, but why did he allow what happened to happen in in the in, in the Watchmen book if he, if, uh, he knew everything was going to happen the way it did? Does he ever explain that? Yeah. I mean, Lori asked him, you know, and, and I mean, the interesting thing is we don't really know. Mm. I mean, and he's very, I mean, he's extremely apathetic to yeah. really mean, everything. Yeah. And he explains that, like, in great detail <laughs> to yeah. uh, uh, to Silk Spectre because she's, like, crying to him, asking him why, you know, what's wrong with you. He's very, very upset and you know, he just like listen. None of this stuff. Uh, you know, he kind of just gives up on him. Yeah, he just gives up. He's just like, he's just like, none of this, you know, matters. And he's like, I'm tired of this. And he just leaves Earth. Right. Exactly. You know, and it's just like, um, uh, and another thing is, he says like, you know, he doesn't like while you. I know you're saying he interferes. While he he does like interfere with things. Like he doesn't change what happens. He just knows what's going to happen. But he doesn't change what happens. Mm-hmm, right. He doesn't, you know, say, oh, I know that's going to happen, so instead I'm going to do this. He never does that. <laughs> right. Right. He just knows what's going to happen, and then it full, happens. Yeah. yeah. The, so, yeah. The other the other theory is that, you know, we, we see him go, turn into Cal while, you know, she was opening the, you know, the, the whatchamacallits or whatever, you know, the, in the morgue, yeah, the body, she's opening the morgues and stuff or whatever, and in the morgue, and... You know, she's going over the bodies. He's like, no, you know, he's like, which one do you want me to be or whatever? She goes to Cal and says, you know, yeah, this person, he just dropped dead or whatever. And some people were like, did he kill Cal? Mm. Knowing that this was going to be the person that she wanted him to be. Right. Like, and then that goes back to the same way. Right. His grandmother died or her grandmother died. Yeah. You know, again, could all be a coincidence, man. But with this show, it, it seems to never be. Yeah, a yeah, it seems to not no coincidences. <laughs> so right. I don't know, man. But just again, the detail to for us to even theorize that those two could be connected. And the showrunners absolutely are thinking about these, even if this is a red herring. Yeah, yeah. They, just they want know. You to, they know that we're. They not. This is an accident. They didn't say, "Oh wow, I just we lucked into like people making those connecting those two yeah. dots." Like, no, that's clearly intentional. Yeah, I mean, it would be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. It would. I think that would be different from what I would have understood about Manhattan, because I know in the book he never does anything like that with regards to Lori. 
you know, he never does any kind of action because I have to end up with her. Like, right. they just end up on the same team, and they're going out. But at the same it. time, he knows his future. Maybe he, he knows she's know not future. the love of his life. Yeah, which is which well, He is, acts which like, is he acts like it. Yeah, exactly. Does. But which is funny, because he does the same thing with his previous... Well, I mean, yeah. he, at, the, at that time, I guess he didn't necessarily know. Because he, he was right. with her before he was even Manhattan. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, he stays with her afterwards, knowing that she's going to leave him. And knowing that it's, <laughs> it's that he's going to end up with Lori. And then, I guess, with Angela right. in this canon... So, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's definitely something to think about. Um, any other big moments, questions about this episode that need to be addressed? I mean, I, I guess just like obviously, what's gonna happen next? Yeah, okay, where, where but I mean, before I, before we get to well, that, well, how do we feel about the way Manhattan looked? Because I feel like he was a little. Definitely was a little I PS2 when he glued graphic. When, when he glued, you know, I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's keep it a buck. When he glued, it wasn't the greatest. Yeah, and it's okay. I mean, it's not everything's not going to be perfect, and right, you yeah. can still love a show and yeah, acknowledge right. something. In terms, of, in terms of the glowing, I prefer like the Zack Snyder Manhattan. Yeah, one thousand percent. That budget, budget, they probably that had budget was a thousand times more than the even in, yeah, even in two thousand and eight or whenever he came out, still much better. Than a TV show, yeah, yeah, they struggled a little bit with the CGI, but like for for like for a TV show, I'll take it. it is yeah, it's solid. It. Yeah. The writing was yeah. so fantastic; yeah. it didn't even matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not Seriously. even matter. Um, I actually thought he looked better when he was outside, like fighting, than he was when he was in the house. I don't know why. Hmm. To me, I gotta watch the episode again. But like when he first glued, and he was like floating in the house. I was like, oof, well, not the greatest. But you know, passable. But it was it was they clearly were avoiding that glow effect and it made sense why. When you actually saw him have to glow and be Doctor Manhattan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't it wasn't it wasn't the greatest effect, but it was, you know, probably the only issue I probably had with the um I mean this this episode was so good, like I never wanted it to end. To the point where when we saw there was a post credit scene, like I was so excited. I was like, oh, yes, there's more. And it was a long one, too. It wasn't yeah. like a short scene. Which we should probably talk about that scene soon, too. Um, so what is this tragedy you think that he's referring to about their relationship? He says their relationship ends in tragedy. I mean, is it I tragedy? Is, 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 that's it? He says that's the moment, I guess. We don't. They don't confirm who that is, but like... I just I interpreted it as that. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He doesn't be fair. He doesn't say this is the tragedy. He says this is. She said we won. He's like, no, this is we lost. Yeah, we lose now, and then he's zapped away. I assume that that was that was the tragedy they were talking about, but you know, knowing Manhattan, me, it could have been something after. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> to me, it seems like that's not. I mean, I don't know. I guess it is tragic. So I guess when you talk about a tragic interrelationship. With him, I always, I guess for me, maybe it was good writing. Like, I assumed it was something happening to Angela. Oh, Especially when no, he was I... like, he was like, oh, like, you try to save him, but, like, it's impossible. I'm thinking, oh, well, she's going to risk her life and die potentially trying to save someone that's in a futile way. That's very interesting. And, and I, maybe that's just like. And the... I thought about, oh, well, that's why he's yeah. saying he loves her because he's like, wow, like, I know this is the end. And this is what, this is how you went out for me. That's why I saw it. I was like, wow, this is going to be a problem. And, and, like, the score, it was a beautiful scene. That scene of her fighting through all those guys, um, and then him coming out after it looked like she was, you know, outgunned. 
it was just it was all really well done and to the point where you do hope that they won in that end but they obviously they didn't i don't know what more to say about uh this episode um i feel like we've covered a lot of it it was just incredible again it's one of those episodes i'm to me they're putting together these episodes i'm just never gonna forget watching the for the first time and this is kind of an, another one of them um but again major shout out to yaya for that uh, performance of Dr. Muhammad. he was truly uh to me just incredible he did an amazing job yeah yeah, I absolutely hats off goes to, hats off to him because, you know, and it, it, Lindelof even said when he cast him, he didn't let him know he was playing Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. He all he knew was that he was going to be playing. You know, they and it, like they they did like chemistry readings and all that with her, him and Angela, and they he didn't know he was playing Doctor Manhattan. Interesting. But they knew they were like, yeah, this is the guy that we want. That's incredible. But yeah, this is crazy. He's done a fantastic job. Another question I had too about the 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 the, uh, the utopia that he created yeah, on Crookshanks and Phillips. So <laughs> the game warden is the first man created. Who's first, the, first, the first Phillips? Who's the first woman created? I mean, we don't know what happened. I think it's I the know. prosecutor. That's possible. That's possible. That's possible. And I think this is I think this is going to end up being kind of a flip on Adam and Eve because in the Bible, Eve is the one who. Who causes right? Isn't it Eve? I mean, I'm sure. I I'm sure there are Christians listening to the show. The, like, you don't know what you're talking the about. The snake, the snake tempted Eve. Right. I, I'm pretty that. sure that's what it was. I was pretty sure about that. So, so to me, it appears like Game Warden is is he's the even in sense, and he his impulse of jealousy and of neglect, feeling of neglect and loneliness causes him to be this crazy person you know i mean as crazy and bad as ozymandias is i mean the game warden is also fairly crazy clearly and i think that you know that it's kind of a, a reversal of of, of how they're, they're they're gonna you know work out with this because i think it is fascinating that we don't know the identity of it was very smart how they they Made the, and as soon as they did that, I knew he was the game warden. Like when, he, when they right. said that, he could say, "Oh, the game warden is the first guy." Interesting. Like yeah, I, 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 I was surprised. Yeah, like I was surprised how does he know where everything is? How is he like so? You know, why is he running everybody else? Why did they all right. listen to him? It would only make sense that he was the first one. Yeah. Right. But then my question was, then who who's the first woman then? Yeah. And so the only thing I think of is that maybe she was a prosecutor and she's gonna be one to help. She you no know, maybe wound up helping, uh, Ozzy and Andy just get out of there. Interesting. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, very much uh, possible. I was thinking maybe something bad happened to her that kind of turned him even, even darker. <laughs> Potentially. Um, yeah. So that was that yeah. was my idea. And then, you know, the people that put the horseshoe in, like kind of Kennel. I think Kennel mentioned this as well that maybe that that is the uh, the the same. Those are the same ones that put the horseshoe in last time. Yeah. Or the or when or when they were when they put the horseshoe in the cake and he was like, "What is this doing here?" Da da da. Yeah, it's because he tried. They gave him a knife. Yeah, or he asked for a knife. Yeah, he asked for a knife and they gave him a horseshoe. He's like, "Why'd you give me this?" Hey, we don't know. (laughs) Like they because they were so like you know discombobulated. Yeah. Is there any way Doctorman had anything to do with helping him with that horseshoe? 
Because these people are his creations. Now we know. I just I just feel like he has no control of what's happening right now. He makes it sound yeah. like it. I mean, he was like, yo, basically he was like, yo, this place is trash. I bounced. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't like these That people. was his long story short. Like, yo, man, these people are whack. Like, they just worship me. They don't do anything. Yeah, kind of weird. Like, like yeah. I, I, just, I, I left. It was boring. But it might be perfect for you. Because right. all you do is worship people, and it's a beautiful place. And Wright's like, say no more. They worship me as a god, and it's a beautiful place. This is what I'm trying it's to create It's crazy because, like, how, again, like, how did it go so south for him? I guess maybe the game for Wright. Like running, running things. Like a well, Vite clearly. I think he just clearly like had enough because these bored. people were idiots, right? And they were, yeah, <laughs> to him, you know. Right. And then they kind of were. They weren't complete people. Like right. Manhattan isn't a good creator. Clearly, right. He wanted to get out, but he had no way of getting out. Right. He was on a different planet, so he started taking desperate tactics. But why did the game warden want him to say? That's the question. He said, "You can't leave." Because the game warden needs someone to worship. Like he can't. Like he's yeah. he's he's sick that he doesn't have Doctor Manhattan, but yeah. he can't not have someone from the outside to worship. Someone's got to be there, and he, he takes it upon himself to make sure no one else leaves. That's how I envision it. Right, yeah, right, right. He let yeah. Doctor Manhattan leave, and now he's miserable. Yeah. He so, can't stop Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he couldn't. He yeah, couldn't he stop Manhattan if he wanted to. He can stop Ozymandias. Yeah. So, he's stopping him because it's out of this, it's still out of this feeling of neglect and this feeling of loss from not having uh, Dr. Manhattan. Someone's got to fill that void because the way he was created, as Manhattan said, these people are all flawed because they, they, they have to, they, they live to serve someone. I wonder why Vite was throwing out those other babies in the water. Where he was like, ah, not, not this one. Ah, not this one. Uh, like, was it just because he wanted one male and one female? Or was it some When was he doing that again? When he was fishing them out of the water. I remember that part of it. Why, I remember he tossed why was one. He, why was he doing that, though? What was he doing? And, and then he, like, cooked them in the thing, and they ended up being another Phillips and, and Crookshanks. Mm. He, he needed new, like, servants. Oh. Or he needed more servants. Okay. Just, I feel like this, I feel, I, we're now going into the last episode. I feel like this series will leave us with unanswered questions. Oh, absolutely. A lot of them. There's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be clear. Because I think a couple weeks ago, I think I said that. I think that by the end, we're going to, because I said after the, the uh, Justice episode, I said, okay, I think now we're, we're really speeding up and we're going to get a lot of answers. And I think we sped up a little bit the last episode. I think we kind of really, no, I would argue that. We didn't really speed up after that. I think we've been going really slow still. It's just we're learning a lot more of what we've been seeing. But we haven't accelerated in terms of, like, answering a lot of these questions. And I said a lot of them just think, we don't think will be answered. I think a lot of them will be, you know, the interpretation of the list of the viewer. Mm-hmm. And then Lindelof will have something in his head of why he envisioned it, but it's going to be us to kind of talk about and debate about it. Yeah. So what? how, did, how does this all end? Are they, they going to say Dr. Manhattan... He can go a lot of ways. He don't right? sound like he thinks he's gonna be safe. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's gonna be safe. Yeah, it's fine. Or be or maybe, maybe he does get saved, but he ends up having to sacrifice himself anyway, Which in is, some kind of way. You know, we have. I mean, could this could could this end with Angelo getting his powers? He talked about how he could transfer his power to other people. Uh, you know, hypothetically. Right. Yeah. You know, 
Could this end with Keen getting his powers? That seemed this seemed to be too overpowering. I think, I think Keen will be, will get his powers. But and will Keen be evil, or will he continue, or will he just be like, "All right, I'm good." I think that's the other question. My the way I see this happening is I think that I think that the Seventh Cavalry will be successful in destroying him and making Keen Doctor Manhattan. I think that the Millennium Clock will then destroy Keen. I was kind of thinking that might happen as well because I know that that clock is going to go off. Yes, exactly. So. What that Doctor Manhattan does. knows exactly. He knows everything. Yeah. So it's it makes sense. You could say, "Yo, you got to make this machine <laughs> at this time. This is the time when they're gonna turn me. I'm gonna die, and they're gonna turn this guy into Doctor Manhattan. By that time, you gotta use this machine. This is the machine. This is how you gotta kill me, and this is how you can use to kill this other guy. Yeah. But like, how would? Because like this countdown, like that's the thing that's always been. Interesting too, like this countdown is supposed to save the world, and it's as and Lady True made it clear that it's a, it's in response to what the Seven Cavalry is currently doing. They haven't even done it yet. So that's pro- How, why are you counting down something you don't even know has happened? So that's what Will that's, Reeves. Yeah. So that's what Manhattan went to tell Will Reeves probably to tell Lady True. Maybe because Lady True is how old? Thirty something. I don't know. Probably I think she's in her yeah. I think At that she's point, in her late thirties. She yeah. would have been in her twenties. But she would have still been like super, accomplished. The super, accomplished, the smartest person super in the world. Genius, yeah. Right. yeah, super yeah. genius. So like he would have, been, and Manhattan also would have known that she would have grown up to be, you know, this multi-trillionaire, or whatever she is. Yeah. Right. Like he may have said, "All right, for whatever reason, why go to Will Reeves? I, I don't know." So there's still weird. There's holes. That yeah, there's ho- yeah, there's holes that need to be filled. You know, but he is related to Angela on some level. So maybe he thought that he'll believe me or something, or he'll want to do this. But regardless, um, and he knows that he's the justice. And well, he also knows that the justice wants to stop the Cyclops. The Cyclops, they're the same so, adversary. So who better to find the person that that the the the, the arch nemesis of the Cyclops? Yeah, so the justice, and vice versa. He's wanted to take down the Cyclops yes. his whole life. So what better way? What better person to find than the guy? Like him. Now the, que- the and, question. And what I- a coincidence that he happens to fall in love with his his granddaughter. His, his granddaughter. But why is Hooded Justice so look so good at his old age? Even ten years old, he still should have looked really old. That's a question I still don't know the answer to. What do you mean? He's walking around. He's ninety four years old. Yeah, he would have been ninety four. He looks fine. He's walking around now. He's like a hundred and something. I know, but I mean, it looks it's crazy now. But no. I thought back then, to me. You thought you would have looked worse. I thought Manhattan did something to him to make him look like that. Oh, you did. But he couldn't have because he didn't know him until just then. Yeah. So why is he like that? How is he able to walk around at 94 years old and look that good? Oh, he's a genetic freak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's crazy, man. It's great, but it's crazy. I mean, you got guys like... uh, And they kind of do stuff like that in Watchmen. I mean, the comedian's kind of huge, jacked, able to do stuff that doesn't really, doesn't really make sense. Right, yeah. It's kind of like a super soldier yeah, without human, yeah. being a super soldier. Yeah. You know? That's true. Um, so they kind of that's that the thing, yeah. Hoodie Justice is a superhero. Like, yeah. But he's not super-powered. He's not super-powered. No. From what we didn't know. But, like, whatchamacallit, it's almost like, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond. Like, he's, like, however old he is, but he can still fight guys. And, you know, he still has his medical ailments, but he's still Batman. 
Yeah, but I mean that's that, and then there's like living to be a right ninety four, yeah, and living to be a hundred and four, yeah, and like, I, now to walk around and do stuff. I look, I think at this level, I agree. Once he's a hundred and four, like something's happened, like right. clearly ninety four. Even then, you would think something's happened. Man, but, I've seen ninety, I've seen ninety four year olds. They don't look like <laughs> no disrespect to any ninety four year old, but and God bless them for making it that far. But that's that's. They're not living in an apartment answering the door. And, <laughs> You're right. You know, no faculties. Like, that's not all. That doesn't right. happen. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very, very rare. Um, and I thought it was weird that they, 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 they got um, uh, him to play. Like, because he's in, like, his 70s. I was like. Yeah. As, like, I guess, like, who, how are you going to find a 90-year-old to, to play someone? But even him, I was like, he looks pretty good. Like, you know, he doesn't look like someone who's 100. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that that to me remains a mystery that I still don't know how. So he so I thought maybe Lady True has something to do with it, but like I said, I, I'm under the impression that he, he has no Lady True until he meets Doctor Manhattan. Right. We do know that he's still that you know what's call what uh you know Nelson Gardner left him his his, his uh you know Metropolis left him his place. That is true. You know, and clearly he was very wealthy and. Very smart. He has something to do with it. That's very true. You know. Um, yeah, we do know that he left him his place and his all his, and all his possessions too. Yeah, yeah. So he's rich. <laughs> he is. Yes, yes, he is. Um, but he goes back to Tulsa. We know what McCall gave him. Manhattan gave him probably the entire strategy. And he. I mean, we know because he said he even said he's like, oh yeah, he's a, he was expecting the kids to be. You know, right. like they formulated some kind of plan, but and like, how does he even remember like, yeah, all this stuff? I think it took it took him a while. Cause remember, he kind of was discombobulated for the first five minutes. Yeah, no, I'm was. saying Will. He he probably probably the nostalgia. But yeah, that's and, probably and why he's nostalgia. taking the nostalgia that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I gotta remember this plan. Right, exactly. In in detail. Oh, that's that's even that's even crazier theory. Though it does leave a hole of how why didn't Angela, why didn't Angela any, know, any of that plan know now? about all that stuff? Though maybe I don't know, maybe she just didn't experience that specific yeah. stuff yet. Maybe maybe know. yeah, maybe they they saved her before she got to because yeah. we only she only experienced his early. She only got to a certain yeah. point in time. That's yeah, true. exactly. And then they stopped it. Yeah, and then they stopped. Yeah, that's true. This yeah, is man, crazy. Yeah, this show is. I mean, I mean you can go for hours thinking about yeah. this show, man. And it makes. It makes a lot of sense because remember how what the lady true said she was like she was like he didn't want you to take all the pills at once like he wanted you to take them periodically piece piece, piece yeah. piece. And the, so like to me like that would have like uncovered the um the whole the conspiracy. conspiracy yeah like it would have made more sense but because she just took it all at once well now you gotta start from the beginning he's at the beginning of him being a young man in new york and yeah. leading up all to that point, and it's like she never got to, she only got to a certain point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, man, this 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 show is just on a whole other like stratosphere. So we don't think Doctor Manhattan is being saved. So is that 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 uh, unanimous here? We think this is his end. I don't think he's being saved. I don't think this is his end. Okay. I don't think Yaya is done in this show. I think there's more stories to tell Manhattan, and I just. It'd be it's, it'd be controversial to kill Doctor Manhattan. That would be controversial. Yeah, but I, I Lindelof though I think I think Lindelof's been pretty safe with like 
not piss. He doesn't want to piss people off. I Bound think more people, yeah. But I, I, I think that he's gonna take a bull step at some point. I think he will too. And to me, I also feel like Alan Moore being so much. The like, only thing want, he did do to piss I want Andy to do with this show. The Rorschach, nah. Yeah, he did with yeah, that. That's the only thing. But besides that, though, he's been pretty. Yeah, like, yeah, since the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think that to me, like, I'm trying to think of kidding. What would make Alan Moore so much like I don't want anything to do with this guy? Right. I can see him saying, "I'm killing Doctor Manhattan," being like, "Yep, get out of my house. Don't ever talk to me again. Don't ever mention my name. With this right. property." I can see that being the, the tipping point. Because this is so fantastic. It's like, outside of Alan Moore just being super protective of his own artistic integrity and his artistic uh, you know, creations, which is totally understandable, it seemed odd how much he was stiff-arming Lindelof, especially considering how his co-creator has embraced Lindelof so much. I mean, Moore is stiff-armed, has abruptly stiff-armed everyone that has, that has created anything based on it. I know. Whether it's uh, Snyder Khan. behind Watchmen, Jeff Johns. Johns, everybody, he wants nothing to do with anybody else doing anything with his work. He's very bitter um, because he it was under the impression that he had like like uh, that he had like creative control. He would have yeah. creative control over the over Watchmen because I think it's like DC formed a deal with him where they were like, listen, when we're done with Watchmen, it will be under your control. And he was like, oh, okay. But they never stopped Watchmen. They never stopped making stuff with Watchmen. So he's just very bitter and angry. Right. And he's like, I want nothing to do with anybody else that's making anything regarding Watchmen. So, I so see. yeah. I think this is just a continuation of that. Mm. It makes sense. Uh, it's a shame. Because it, to me, like, I would love for him to be involved with like, you know, the celebration of this incredible franchise now. Yeah, um, yeah it is a shame. Because this show is, is unbelievable. It's going to win so many... Emmys and it's gonna win a lot of awards, and the idea that he's not like kind of in the fold, it don't feel it doesn't feel right. Right. Um, yeah. It feel like you know if you know the Cowboys didn't win the Super Bowl and Jerry Jones like was like nah after I'm not even gonna be a part. He's not. I'm not showing to the parade. Like somehow he sold the team, but like he still was in Dallas and alive. And he was like I'm not gonna be part of the parade. I don't be part of nothing. It'd be like he's Jerry Jones. Like how is he not gonna be yeah involved at all? But that's kind of how Alan Moore is. That's kind of stance he's taken um but I, I i i think just like the creators have i respect him for feeling that way it's just unfortunate that that's how he feels what a show i can't wait to talk about the finale next week we certainly will talk about that next week we'll do another show this week talking about the crisis on infinite earths episode we saw the first one and boy was that an interesting first episode so you want to make sure you guys stick around for that so that'll be out sometime uh, in the middle of the week so uh Keep your eyes and ears open for that. But otherwise, that'll be it for this episode of New Generation Hero Talk. Of course, you can catch us uh, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher at New Generation Podcast Network. You can also find us on YouTube, New Generation Media. On social media, we're on Twitter at New Generation Pod. On Instagram at New Generation Podcast. And on Facebook, New Generation Media. Shamari's on uh, Snapchat and, and uh, Twitter. Uh, excuse me, Instagram, MCShan22. I'm on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, at ActionEJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Peace.